I'm Jeff Ronan. I'm Amy Jo Jackson. And we are, and almost starring, we are here to break down the casting of movies, including who almost starred. And today we are looking at Scott Pilgrim versus the world. One, two, three. For better or for worse, out there is a universe where it may seem bizarre, but they were almost starring. Amy Joe, how are you doing today? I'm thinking about when you eventually put the song in and how it won't be in time. <laughs> The <laughs> oh, unless ye of little faith, it's gonna be in time. I'm gonna make it in it's time. Gonna, you're gonna speed up the theme song to be at the appropriate, the appropriate tempo mark. All right, fine. That's no. It's One, great. two, three, four. Hey. So you sound like you're doing well today, Amy Cho. I'm doing just fine, Jeff. I haven't seen another person for days, so I'm I'm doing great. Well, you're seeing me right now, true but enough. not in person. It's of true. It's true. Uh, and I'm I'm doing good as well. We have, if you could hear him a bit in the background already, we have a very special guest on today's Ooh. episode. He is an accomplished actor, published playwright. You might know him from hit off-Broadway show Puffs, or possibly as the co-host of our friend podcast, The Worst of All Possible Worlds. One of my closest friends and favorite people on the planet. It's AJ Diddy. Hi, everybody. Hi, other AJ. <laughs> Yes. Scott Pilgrim, baby! <laughs> We're doing it! I'm so stoked. I love this I fucking movie. We have fists already pumping in the air. Oh, my God. I I was so excited. You sent me a list of all these movies that I love and uh, some movies that I did not love. And then I saw <laughs> Scott Pilgrim versus the world. And I'm like, I have to talk about this movie. It was such a formative thing for me that I'm so glad that we get to recast it too for what oh, I yeah. thought would be like a perfect cast movie that now you get to imagine all these other things. I mean, it's the joy of this podcast, but I'm just thrilled to be here. Oh, yeah. We are so happy to have you here. And yeah, I... You you were had such a definitive response when I asked you when I gave you that list of potential films and it was a number one with a bullet number one with a sex bomb uh, <laughs> Scott Pilgrim versus the world oh absolutely and what is this movie if not high fidelity meets Mortal Kombat you know <laughs> but, what is it but what better. is it if not because it doesn't have so much John better. Cusack yes and it's not Mortal Kombat. Yeah, so, I mean, this is true. It does not have John Cusack or Christopher Lambert, two of your least favorite performers, Amy Joe. Look, I, I, I have no hate in my heart for Christopher Lambert. He's just mm-hmm. not for me. But John Cusack, sure. but John Cusack holds away. a special place of hate in your heart. Well, well, hate is a strong word. Who was it that said that like John Cusack had dead shark eyes and he was the scariest actor in Hollywood? Oh, Danny Trejo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, looking, it was. He said of all the tough guy actors he's worked with, it was d- doing Con Air with John Cusack and said there's just something behind the eyes. Yeah, which is why Identity <laughs> is such a great movie because you watch that and you're like, well, he's the serial killer. Right. <laughs> he has to be. He simply must. Mm. Uh, I think in High Fidelity as well, That's his. he's going through his top five. It's because he's killed all of these exes. That's the the twist. Mm. Yes, Mm. absolutely. Okay, now I'm smelling a remake. We got that great Zoe Kravitz, but now what if we take it and twist it, baby? I've been looking into the High Fidelity musical. This is neither here nor there, but uh, they did did a production. It did It sure did. And they did a London version, too, where they readapted it to be set in London. 
And the guy they had play the lead role, like, all the reviews were like, well, he looks like a serial killer, so the whole show doesn't work anymore. And I'm like, did you watch the original film? Like, I think actually that's that's the, the intent. They've just not made it explicit. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Well, to be fair, to tie it into the movie we're discussing today, I think that if you cast a certain type of actor as Scott Pilgrim, this movie is pretty much unwatchable because this is absolutely a great example of an unlikable protagonist, and you are kind of forced to thoughts with capital ths. Yeah, me Love too. It. But yeah, me but too. if you cast a serial killer type as Scott Pilgrim, if you know, if you casting, uh, you know, Christian Bale as Scott Pilgrim, I don't know if this is gonna work. I don't know if he's, uh, newsies if he's doing Christian his Patrick Bale? Bateman. Uh, no, American Psychos, uh, Christian yes, Bale. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, uh, I would love to see Christian Bale come to this movie and go, it's like, we're in Toronto, hey! Uh, in his perfect Newsies New York accent. Uh, sure. I, I, you could replace uh, Santa Fe with Toronto. It, it, it technically it scans, scans the same. beautifully. Toronto! <laughs> Every, it's just, oh, the prosody is stunning. Today's episode is also a listener request from oh. Jeff. Not me. Different Jeff. Thanks, Jeff. Not you. You're welcome, Jeff. Not me. Uh, if you have a movie that you'd love for us to break down the casting of listener, email us at analmoststarring at gmail.com and let us know. And as always, uh, like, subscribe, write a review, uh, tell a friend if you are enjoying the show and uh, want other people to listen to it as well. So let's get into it. Scott Pilgrim came out on August 13th, 2010 and was directed by Edgar Wright and written by Michael Bacall and Edgar Wright. So let's kick it off with you, AJ. What's your experience with Scott Pilgrim? When did you first see it? Was it in theaters? It was in theaters. It was like in a mostly abandoned theater in, I believe, Mira Mesa, California. And it was just one of those things where you see a movie and you're like, it was this made for me? Was this, f- <laughs> did Edgar Wright like go out of his way to make me, AJ, a film? <laughs> Uh, spent $85 million to make me a film that would not get any of its money back. Uh, and it was one of those things that I was 20 years old, you know, I was still, uh, you know, a sophomore in college. And I feel like watching this movie when you're just fresh out of high school is an incredibly different experience than watching it when you're in your early 30s. Because you're watching uh, Scott Pilgrim and it's like, Scott Pilgrim is da- was dating a high schooler. And you're like, well, you know, two years ago I was dating a high schooler because I was in high school. And then you're in your 30s and you're like, oh no. <laughs> Don't do that. Um, Also, surprised to find out on this rewatch that that's Bill Hader as the narrator. Somewhere in the mysterious land of Toronto. Absolutely blew my mind. Um, I love it. But it was one of those things that it was like, it's such a perfectly made film that it's hard not to like get caught up in sort of the sweep and scope of it. Yeah. and yeah, it was it, it remains like one of my top five films, uh, despite some stuff we'll get into later uh, about this truly <laughs> despicable protagonist. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, Amy Joe, how about you? When did you first see Scott Pilgrim? I did see it in 2010, but I did not see it in theaters. Um, oh. 2010 was uh, for me the year of the recently mentioned Into the Woods uh, that I was in. Um, so oh. I was, um, which will have dropped by the time that this comes out, but AJ, you have not yet heard, where I recount the story of me doing Into the Woods with a live cow on the worst job yes. I've ever had. I've heard you tell this story, though. Yeah. Before. So yeah. it, um, 
it was a tough year for me. And that summer, I think the one movie I saw in theaters, what did we go? We saw Inception. I think it's the one movie I saw in theaters because I was busy, like, (laughs) surviving. But I was on vacation with my parents at Christmas. And uh, I was alone in the hotel room. And I was like, oh, this looks fun. What's this? And I watched it and was like, oh, I think I really like this. But I I hadn't really heard anything about it. This was not, like, among my circle. It's not my kind of nerd friends kind of um film um but then i've watched like a about a trillion times subsequently because i owned it on dvd and you owned it on dvd just so when we merged households we now have two dvds (laughs) did you make them kiss did you make the dvds oh we should we absolutely should uh we'll do that once i'm home we can make we can make these little scott pilgrim covers uh smooch definitely do that and (laughs) as they smooch we need we need a third copy of the dvd so as we make them smooch we can bring Mm -hmm. the third one up behind it like the little tiny michael Sarah playing bass that they bring up in between once him and ramona kiss the first time i was thinking allison pill lurking uncomfortably in the background that's (laughs) also works you know what we just might need to buy a few more copies of scott pilgrim to make this all (laughs) tie together amy were you familiar with Edgar Wright when you first saw this. Have you seen Shaun of the Dead or Hot Fuzz? You know what? You know what? I had seen Shaun of the Dead by this point because my aunt Sissé was a fan of Mm. it. But I didn't know like Edgar Wright as an entity and I had not seen Hot Fuzz. I wouldn't see that for a couple of more years. And then when I would see it, I'd be like, what have I been doing with my life? Because that's really like (laughs) that for me is the the nexus of all of my interests. Um, Ah. Uh, you know, British villains and procedurals. Uh, oh, absolutely. Told yeah. in a comedic fashion. That's that's where I want to live. A murder mystery in a cozy town made up of uh, famous yeah, yeah, British yeah, yeah. character actors. I mean, there are 20 something seasons of Midsummer Murders and I've seen them all. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. So, no. And I didn't know the comic book. I didn't. I, I really knew nothing about this other than like I was familiar, obviously, with some of the actors and. I think I'd like, you know, you live in New York, you see posters for everything. So oh, I sure. think I'd like seen posters for it. And I was like, this looks fun. I'm in a hotel room with nothing to do. I'll I'll rent it. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, I'd never read the comic book, but I had seen Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz, neither in theaters. Both I discovered slightly after the fact, but loved them both. So this film, like, I was so excited for. So I saw this at the midnight screening the day before it opened by myself like a real cool kid hell yeah (laughs) you love what you love jeff don't you know don't try to pretend like that's not great don't put that the same thing this summer with inception i saw that opening midnight screening by myself and (laughs) a very large packed crowd much more packed than my midnight screening of scott pilgrim but there was still people came out people came out for scott pilgrim uh not enough as far as the box office proceeds went but i had such a ball and have seen this film so 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 many times since uh and so glad to discuss it with you fine friends yes. so spoilers ahead if you have not seen scott pilgrim or you haven't seen it in a while here's a brief ish synopsis we are in toronto where we meet 22 year old scott pilgrim who is the bassist for an unsuccessful indie garage band called sex babam great band name sex yeah. babam and so also satisfying uh, to say and beck did the music is that right for for all sex babam it absolutely is apparently edgar wright had reached out to uh, be your own pet and or he was considering i think he reached out to be your own pet this hmm. uh band that i think like broke up in 2009 uh and what's the other one black lips he's like wanting to like a sound like this or beck and they wound up just getting back to write 
like it's a hard needle to thread where it's like it needs to be music that could where you're like is this good or not yeah, it, yeah. like it, it's purposefully like riding that line of like i love like their garbage tr- like truck song like stuff you're like <laughs> i can see how this could be good yeah but i don't know if it actually is it's so hard to do. It's so hard to write something yeah. that is just kind of okay. Like, it's very easy to write very bad, and it's, you know, it's hard to write, like, very, very good. But that fine line, it's a difficult thing to balance. And for it to still be something that um, is fun enough that it doesn't yeah. drag the energy and the momentum of the film down. Because either it has to be so bad that it's funny and therefore that, like, keeps the momentum going, or right. it has to be, like, driving enough, okay enough to like yeah. keep keep us like leaning forward which yeah, yeah. is I, I was watching it this time going like this feels like incredibly difficult like i would not want this task assigned to me yeah 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 i think back now and especially oh, yeah. this opening uh number which is so so great because originally oh, the with film that just shot kind of... where it pulls back in for the i just uh, that's my favorite shot in the whole the endless thing. living room yeah. of just going yeah. back and back because we're fully in knives' head at that point like experiencing like the yeah. overwhelmingness of like seeing your like favorite band for the first time yes for 17 year old knives chow who scott is dating as which, as Kim says, like, are you really happy or are you really evil? Like, is this just because you he is in a year-long depression from his breakup with Envy Adams? I think and the is, film does a decent job of calling out, like, we, the other characters, see yeah. this as unacceptable behavior. And we're going to continue to, like, needle you about it. So, like, yeah. Yeah. that makes it helpful that we're not thinking that the film is, like, purporting that, like, eh, yeah, go on. 22 year olds date yourself a high schooler right it is funny that you have his two you know ostensibly the straight white dudes in his band steven sills and young neil are like ah wicked and meanwhile kim his drummer his sister say stacy and his gay roommate wallace are all like what are you doing you can't date this high schooler my guy uh but she is she thinks it's you know you guys are so cool yeah uh, as we get this great number which was um tarantino's idea because he saw an early cut of the film and it didn't have this it kind of just like they had a brief like 15 second playing and then cutting to her being like you guys are so cool and he's like this should be a whole number oh mm. this should be we need a credit sequence to kind of like settle into the film uh instead yeah. of just going off to the races Especially and i love it because I yeah it. because like they're it's equal parts i'd say it's like really three disparate things that they have made into one amalgamated beast in this film, which is comic mm. books, video games, and rock music. Yeah. And and like using all of those as means for these battles, like that that the battle of the bands becomes very literalized. Like I think that that yeah, yeah. does such a great job of establishing like the world of these characters, which it's like we're gonna f- we're gonna fight through the power of music. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and it's also like I mean the Universal being in like uh, like the Universal title card being in sixteen bit, uh, you know, with the MIDI file over fantastic. it, like you know instantly what world you're in and what the tone of the thing is, like right from the word go. I really love Edgar Wright, and I do find mm. that I'm not necessarily emotionally plugged in to the films that he makes. Oh, but- interesting. 
it's such a clear like well just thinking about this like i'm not emotionally invested in scott pilgrim and and what's going on but it's when you have a director that is so left brain and where every single element is so beautifully designed Mm -hmm. that there's not a moment for me to like the film has such a grip on me that i don't have a moment to let go like as soon as it could it's like here's an amazing bit of physical comedy of scott of Michael Sarah leaping through a window <laughs> oh, and di- and diving back to get his jacket. Like everything is yeah. so beautifully, perfectly timed yeah. and spaced out from a technical standpoint that it is like a few people can do. And that Edgar yeah. Wright like consistently his nails. Visual point of view in any movie he shoots is always so clear. Like yeah. just crystal every frame. And I mean, like obviously, like he's very uh, a big He's a big music guy, you know, as is evidenced Uh in the way that he matches all of that. But it really is like the the visuals. If you watched these with no sound, you would still like be able to follow not just like the plot, but the point of view in a really clear way. Yeah. And in this, it's somehow simultaneously the best live action video game movie and Mm -hmm. best live action comic book movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's not based on a video game at all. Yeah. It's one of the best adaptations, I think, in cinema, Uh, you know, just based on the source material, like in bringing it to full life. And Edgar Wright is so good at getting you in the heads of his protagonists, not necessarily emotionally, as you were saying, Jeff, but like just the way that they see the world. Yeah. Experientially, for sure. Yes. Yeah, so, like, he's, like, you know, when we jump cut to, like, two different conversations happening as they're, they're, like, walking down the street and all of a sudden they're in the club, it's just, like, that's those are the things that are important to Scott Pilgrim, so those are the things that we are going to see. We're only going to see things trapped from his perspective, uh, which is Which helps us sympathize with this, uh, you know, dingbat of a protagonist. Oh, God, uh, what but, a dingbat. But, <laughs> this toxic uh, dingbat. Yeah. Yes. This toxic dingbat. Uh, he winds up meeting this Amer- American Amazon delivery girl, Ramona Flowers, who we first can we take, in a dream. Yeah. And can we take a moment for the my favorite like line delivery in the whole film, which is where Scott holds up the picture of like a girl with hair like this, which is just like scribbles on a page. And the, the one guy goes, oh, yeah, that's Ramona Flowers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's Camus and God he's so he knows everyone he knows everyone well their first album is uh, better than their first album <laughs> yeah I mean and the, and the movie adaptation is not nearly as good as the comic book one but yeah so Scott what it, ultimately this is a bit of a love triangle this first part anyway of Scott is yeah. dating this high schooler Knives Chow and not breaking up with her and starting to pursue Ramona Flowers who is this Amazon delivery uh, girl who's just moved into town to escape her bad blood that she left back in New York of this evil, of this ex Gideon. Uh, and ultimately, uh, Scott, famous uh, peruser of emails, does not notice that he is being drafted <laughs> into having to fight all of Ramona's seven evil exes, uh, which are visualized. It, it really, I love how long it is like a full half hour of this film before, and we get like Scott and Knives in the arcade doing yeah. like flips that you would not actually be doing but sure. it takes a while to be the like okay fight with matthew patel starts at 31 minutes because I, I was like when does matthew patel enter minute 31 which is like a perfect obviously like a moment for like okay now we're really like in the the quest the journey but also yeah that yeah. it's like it takes that long to get to it and then it is non-stop yeah, and that it is in the middle of garbage truck. Like we don't even get to hear the end of garbage truck. It's just oh, he he bursts no. through the roof, and it's one of those things that it's like it's surprising but inevitable. Like you don't, 
in any other movie, if if a guy flew through the roof screaming your name and like started to get into a fist fight with you, you'd be like, what the hell is happening? But because they built it up to this point that we are in a universe where you walk into a bathroom and you have a little pee meter that appears, you know, <laughs> in the upper right hand corner and drains as you go. And, you know, people who can deliver an Amazon packages by using the like hyperdimensional tunnel in your brain in order right. to like travel vast distances over Toronto. Like... It's it's just like it's like it feels like a culmination, like a climax of all that buildup. Absolutely, it's all it's in the world that the film sets out yeah. for us. But I do love that it also helps by having Anna Kendrick be the one to be looking around of like, is anyone else seeing this? As she, yeah. of, in this first fight scene, to be just like cutting to her to go, what? Uh, yeah, <laughs> because it is also outlandish. So to have someone acknowledge the outlandishness, whereas Wallace is immediately blasé about. It. Fine. Wallace has more important fish to fry. He is trying to pick up glasses. Yes. <laughs> Good old glasses. And then we get, you know, a Bollywood musical number. We uh, get a full Bollywood musical number with his uh, hipster demon de- chicks. Demon hipster chicks, yeah. That was a very specific sexual awakening for me, I think. <laughs> Seeing those demon hipster chicks and going, oh, oh, hello. <laughs> Uh, because they are they are very hot and then very terrifying in like a very quick span. Uh, and uh, he can shoot fireballs, and that's a thing that's in this universe. And you know, when he of dies, course. he turns into coins. You know, naturally, <laughs> naturally, he just turns right into coins. Ah, oh, it's not even enough of the bus fare. Yeah, <laughs> God, it's such a good bit. Oh, wow. Um. So as we continue, Scott finally does eventually break up with Knives, who assumes that Ramona is the one who has stolen Scott away from her. Mm-hmm. Uh, as Scott goes through uh, the rest of these evil exes, he, we have a uh, Hollywood actor and skateboarder, Lucas Lee, uh, <sighs> super-powered vegan Todd Ingram, who is <laughs> now dating Scott's evil ex, Envy Adams. Mm-hmm. We have the s- Southern Ninja, Roxy Richter. We don't get a real handle on Roxy. No. Nope. Uh, I love she's just Southern Ninja. Yeah. Yep. Sometimes she's Southern and sometimes she's not. So I was like, is she doing voices or is the actor doing but vo- I I mean it's fun either way, you know. Yeah. But she's everything in one. She's every character like squeezed into one. Uh, Absolutely. And it's Mae Whitman and that's always fun because uh, you know, I'm like, oh Katara is here. <laughs> that's nice. Uh from Avatar <laughs> for me, Last it's Defender. Just... Oh, okay. Yeah. See for me it's just it's just Anne from Arrested Development finally getting her revenge on Michael Sarah. Exactly. It's just standing when you look up to the face of death and all you can say is her. Uh... <laughs> yeah. And I mean, that's a really cool fight scene, too, because it's Ramona actually getting to fight and yeah. she has a big hammer. And... It's so they're all of these fight scenes are so fun because they keep they're all elevating so and keep finding yeah basis versus bassist i also love when you realize that todd's the bassist envy went from dating one bassist to another bassist which having gone to school mm-hmm. next door to berkeley college of music feels very par for the course for a lot of people <laughs> like, <laughs> oh yeah i only date guitarists why i don't know it's a thing people do uh <laughs> Did I ever did I ever tell the story about how I went to Berkeley for a semester by not going to Berkeley for a semester? I well, I think you'll tell us right now. I got on the register somehow and they kept emailing me saying, "Why aren't you showing up to your classes?" <laughs> and then I guess somebody did start showing up to the classes using my name, uh and then I started what? getting emails saying, "You're going to fail. You've only been to one class this semester." And I had to finally email them and say, "Hey, I don't go to your school. I've been at NYU for a semester. Please take me off this list." Wow. 
Wow. But yeah. Wild. Yeah. So I, you could have potentially just started going. Well, yeah. here's the thing. I love when in movies they use Berkeley College of Music as this like as though it's Juilliard. They're like, I think mm-hmm. I could get into Berkeley. There's yeah. not really an admissions process in regards <laughs> to like auditioning for Berkeley. Oh, really? Yeah. Or at least what back in my day, you didn't really have to. Um, which is partially why they have what so much money. Um, so oh, wow. again, that could have changed, but it was more of just like application than audition um so i love when that's like a thing in film i'm like oh no it's not to my knowledge a rigorous audition process but sure so are you saying i could have dated a bassist this whole time this whole time you could have been dating bassist after bassist aj oh Ah. shucks Uh, Ramona sees Scott for what he is, uh, another evil ex waiting to happen mm-hmm. and breaks up with him. And justifiably so. He is in yes. this scene even more rotten than usual. I do love the part well, where he he's... orders those two drinks and uh, he's like, why do you want one? Yeah. As he throws both of them back. Like it's, yeah, it's very good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, just order the double. You still look like you've got a drinking problem, but not as bad as having two drinks in your hands that are both for you, my guy. Yeah. But is it as funny? No. Oh, no, it no, is no, not. No. no, it is not. And so Sex Babam defeats Ramona's fifth and sixth evil exes, twins Kyle and Ken Katianagi, in this another Battle of the Bands sequence. Uh, Some with... real Lord of the Rings energy here with these sonic yeah. dragons, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Old thing. There you go, Merry and Pippin as the Katianagi twins accidentally <laughs> unleashing this fireworks dragon in the happen. middle of this battle of the bands. Uh, they literally blew the roof off. Uh, <laughs> and we revealed that G-Man, who is the this mythic pre- record producer that the band has been wanting to get to like represent them throughout this whole movie, is... Ramona's seventh evil ex, Gideon Graves, Jason Schwartzman, who I love this performance mm-hmm. so much. Even more like, toxic than Scott Pilgrim is yeah. Gideon. You could see the, the the version of this in like the 2000 Scott Pilgrim with Jason Schwartzman as Scott, mm. at, like which I think oh, is yeah. so good why this casting. But so Gideon winds up signing Sex Babam minus Scott, who quits the band in protest. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he invites him to the Chaos Theater. It's just like that worst, like, nice guy X. It's like, I don't, because the movie could end. Scott's like, I'm done. I'm going to get kicked out of my little basement apartment that I live in with Wallace. Yeah. But he's just, he's settled. He's no longer fighting for Ramona. He's like done until Gideon invites him to the Chaos Theater. And once he's there, he is fighting for Ramona so he gains the power of love sword mm-hmm. where we see we he finally has to admit that he cheated on knives with Ramona because she shows up specifically for Ramona yeah uh and he's like starting to like become a better person but he gets ganked with a sword by Gideon and I love his line here where it's like oh Scott you can cheat on these girls all you want but you can't cheat death Except he can. Well, when you get it, when you have a one up uh, little power up, you can. So he gets a second chance to go through this rigmarole again, get back to the chaos theater where he learns he's not fighting Gideon for Ramona. He's fighting Gideon for himself. He's earned the power of self respect. Uh, and after apologizing to both Ramona and Knives for cheating on them, him and Knives join forces to defeat Gideon, where he kicks Jason Schwartzman's head into oblivion. Yeah. Uh, and ultimately, uh, Knives 
gives him her blessing. He, he does have to defeat Nega Scott, which because he is That's the negative so version funny. of Scott is a really nice guy yeah. who's going to get brunch with because yeah. the regular version of Scott is the D-bag. <laughs> That's such a. That's something I did not pick up on when I first viewing of this thing, and it was just pointed out to me. I was like, "Oh my god, that's right!" So it really is like going after Scott Pilgrim and saying yeah. that he is a piece of shit, which is nice, which is genuinely yeah. very nice. Mm-hmm. You need to be aware of that. The original ending was Scott and Knives just winding up together, nope. and Ramona just yep. leaving. Um, I and mean, which I like. He does not have to get with Ramona either, but yeah. in my opinion, <laughs> I certainly w- can't end up with Knives. There is a third ending, I think, where they should, it should be uh, Knives and Ramona are just like, we can do better than him. And then they just yeah. both walk through the door, leaving him alone. Yes. But, you know. It's like- I want the Thelma and Louise ending where uh, Knives just, and Ramona, they just shoot Scott and then they get in the T-Bird and uh, <laughs> drive off to go have some some crime adventures and just go figure sh- figure shit out. Just like take this car on the road. Uh, I'd be very down with, but I do think they do right by knives by letting her be like, I you like, I'm too cool. I've outgrown you. Yeah. I am now yeah. growing watching, into my own. I'm my own badass. Watching I don't need the way Scott that they freaking pilgrim. Yeah. Yeah. Watching the way that they thread her, like even just her evolution with regards to being involved in like the music scene like and how she gets to a point pretty quickly where she knows more than scott does like she's genuinely yeah. like into it for her and like, that like she's like i didn't even know there was good music till like two months ago <laughs> but like watching her evolution as a character and as you know as someone who like yeah gets into this whole aspect of stuff that she didn't know she could be into is is really fun and i think is done yeah. really really well yeah, and she's the one you actually are rooting for. Correct. At least I find. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I really want Knives to be okay, and I want Scott Pilgrim yeah. to leave her alone. Yes. <laughs> yes. I want, give us a spinoff with Knives Chow. Yes. Give us a film yeah. starring Ellen Wong in general. But if you she's were to so revisit great. this world, that's who I'd be most interested in following. For yeah. sure. When, when they changed yeah. the ending, apparently Edgar Wright called, uh, called up Ellen Wong and was like, hey, so... Scott's not going to end up with knives. And she was like, cool. Yeah, great. That's awesome. Better. Yeah. Yeah. Better, yes. So we've already been talking about the film, but uh, initial thoughts. Anything in particular that jumped out at you both on this time watching it or any performances that like really were highlighted for you? Yeah, I mean, I'll just jump in because we've already been talking about it. But like through complete happenstance, like this is not something I designed. I, Well, just not something I designed in, in relationship to this. I have mm. been watching and intaking weirdly a fair amount of content about groomers which is not oh. i want to be clear not what i think this is like but it is interesting to to see like these stories of a, a lot of them are about like uh high school teachers who um, oh, sure assaulted their students all this kind of all this kind of uh behavior and watching and listening to a lot of that content right before watching this made even clearer for me was like that the film is clear on the fact that Scott is dating a teenager because it is less complicated because she Mm -hmm. is not going to challenge him because he can be in control. I mean, he's the first time he talks to Ramona, he's horrible with a woman his own age, like just can't hack it. You know, I will say I never have ever bought the relationship between Scott and Ramona. Me neither. You know? yeah. Looking at, you know, when he's on the phone with Envy and you see the photo strips of like the two of them in photo booths when they were together, like the way they have mm-hmm. Brie Larson done up, like I believe that couple. 
Like, yeah. I believe that's like a high school or college couple. Like, it makes sense to me. The Ramona yeah. thing doesn't, but like, you know, I also understand that we're watching a film where like all the women are projections of this like male character. Um, yeah. And so I kind of can can buy it in that respect. But, I mean, um, if only as a counterpoint to the seven exes that we are have seen, at least that we get to know. We know nothing about these twins of how they true. actually were as people. But the rest yeah. are like such douchebags yes. that I get in the sense of like, Absolutely. which I love that they give Mary Elizabeth Winstead, who I think is so good as Ramona Flowers. I oh, love yeah. of how much that she seems to be so bemused by Scott and is so like, is aware that he's a complete doof. Um, but that yeah. it feels like it's because of it's in spite of, but also because, because in of reaction to all of that, past. that yeah. she is like she that it, she's never like, oh, my God, I love this person. She never says she loves him. And right. at the end, it's just like, yeah, maybe you can tag along and maybe we'll see what this is. And maybe this doesn't wind up working out. But at least Scott's trying to live an actual life. Totally, totally. I, I get all that. I mean, like, I just don't buy that there's any chemistry between them. You know, yeah. okay. it's Fair more enough. that I'm yeah. just kind of like they're making out. I'm like, ew, why? You know, um, not you, yeah. Michael Sarah. I don't mean <laughs> yeah. you, Michael Sarah. I mean, like yeah. the two of them. I'm like, that doesn't really track for me. But stranger yeah. things have happened in life, you know. Um, but regardless, yeah. that's to say that all the stuff that I was like looking at, like also really vivified for me how like the League of Evil Exes is, is obviously like a stand in for like this this uh, arrest, arrested development. This like young <laughs> this young man who. <laughs> like is not yet willing to do the grown up thing which i like that that's called out explicitly later and and like yeah. is threatened by a woman with any kind of sexual past you know that 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 mm-hmm. it is all in relation to him and his ego and that's like how until toward the end of the movie when maybe at some point in the future he would earn the power of respect for women but um that like that that's that's very much in the viewpoint of the film but because it's so sugary and fun Mm-hmm. You can kind of and, and because Michael Sarah is very likable, um, despite yeah. this this character, like like we're able to enjoy him um, in a way that, yeah, with with other actors, we might not be able to. So anyway, it was just very interesting being going straight from that content to this is basically what yeah. I, was, I saw it more yeah. starkly than I have before. Absolutely. And I think that the film really is helping as much as it can by having him. He's not trying to physically pursue knives at any point Correct. in That's this very film. Helpful. Yeah. yeah, yeah, she yeah. She kisses him once, and he is so uncomffortable with it. And like he does, mm-hmm. he seems just like even like hold. He's like, oh, we almost held hands, but she got scared. It's like he seems perfectly content to be dating her in name only. Truly, like yeah. in the most non-threatening. Like I don't mean to her, I mean to him. Like the most non-threatening. Like I just need an ego boost and for someone to like me, and I'll, I'll, I will use this person for that. Is kind yeah. of like how that seems to manifest which i am a lot more comfortable with than him pursuing anything physical which would be not <laughs> yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh. but it is funny that like ramona i think is using scott for the same reasons like it sure, is like absolutely. i just want i want somebody to like me and uh and she even said like they don't they don't have sex when when they're like hooking up you know in her bed she's like actually i don't i don't really want to do that if that's okay can we just like chill mm-hmm. out and and like you know spoon and stuff uh because like you said i i think that she i think it's it is sort of like a yeah uh maybe this will work but like probably not i you're just safe and simple like scott is yeah, the simple yeah, yeah. choice especially when compared yeah. to gideon who has a pyramid he built for himself <laughs> <laughs> who can, who has mind control technology yeah it's yeah, wild. yeah that's dark yeah um this movie 
I didn't realize how much it had like imprinted in my mind because I haven't seen it in years. But like when mm. I was watching it, how like the vegan police after they take away um, Todd's powers leave the place and it's this very slow motion, very serious moment. But then they turn to each other and it's the motion like high five and go yeah. Like and like lines like bread makes you fat, <laughs> like is are just like burned onto my onto my skull yeah. and and like the idea of like the when he, the scene where he jumps out the window was one of the funniest things I think I'd ever seen in theaters up until that point. It's so and good. to have never seen an Edgar Wright movie before and then to see this one as your first one, like it does something to you. It's just like I didn't know films could be like this. We're just like every frame. There's so much care that goes in. There's yeah. not a frame of this film where it's just like, ah, we had to do this kind of thing because uh, it was kind of whatever. Yeah. I, like the shot where Scott first like sidles up to talk to Ramona for the first time. Mm -hmm. Just of that, the frame itself where you have these like two sad balloons at the top of the frame, mm -hmm. these Christmas lights surrounding them and this weird light switch that's so high up and all the way to the left. It's like perfect, like from a design standpoint. Yeah. This film is so But don't you remember, like, we listened so to the... Um we listened to the commentary. We've, there's so many commentaries on the DVD. And yeah. that that light switch was in the house like that. So they chose to frame it around that because they thought it was so weird that it would frame a purpose. So they didn't. Yeah, absolutely. They didn't like put that there, but then they, they manipulated the shot around it because. Yeah, right. Yeah. How could you even reach switch. that exactly. light switch? Who is <laughs> tall enough to flick that thing? Um, but it really also it's just like, you know, in Scott's mind, of course, that's what it would be. All the other accoutrements of the party are so far away. And like the frame is just him and Ramona awkwardly like standing next to each other. Like it really does get you inside of his head yeah. in a very thrilling way. Uh, so let's get into it. The casting directors of Scott Pilgrim yeah. were Robin D. Cook, Jennifer Houston and Allison Jones. Cook has also cast such films as Mean Girls, Room and Nightmare Alley. Houston has also cast Glow, Veep and Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. And Ooh. Jones has also cast, this is like, what a career, a significant number of episodes of Family Ties, Fresh Prince Whoa. of Bel-Air, Arrested Development, Freaks and Geeks, The Office, Bridesmaids, Veep, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, Lady Bird, and The Good Place, but started their career in 1985 casting a movie called Hard Rock Zombies with Hell the tagline, yeah. they came from the grave to rock and rave and misbehave. That sounds like a future episode, Jeff. That sounds like one you have to cover at some point. Oh, <laughs> it might be. Boy. Who who almost played the titular hard rock zombie? Who almost was cast to rock and rave and misbehave? <laughs> uh, but let's move on to some of the actors who were almost cast. Some of these people may have auditioned. Some may have just been discussed by casting. This is all subjective. And as always, I've looked up all the actors in advance. And Amy, Joe, and AJ are hearing it along with you, listener, for the very first time. So let's kick it off with that titular Scott Pilgrim. So AJ, your thoughts on Michael Sarah, and who would you cast if you had to cast someone else? Okay, this is probably my hottest take of the whole thing, but I would love to see a version of this movie where Kieran Culkin and Michael Sarah switched roles. I Ooh, I thought okay. of this too. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because look, I think Michael Sarah is great because he has this like cherubic baby face, but also has this underlying menace that never overwhelms, but is always just kind of there. Uh, and I think he's. I think that's perfect for Scott Pilgrim. So uh, honestly, it's it would be really hard to recast him. I <laughs> I recast everyone in this movie as Mario characters. That that was that that's that's sort of Beautiful. what I'm bringing to the table. Uh, and, I love this. And so I would. I love this table. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but you know, my I think my ideal version in the Mario universe for Scott Pilgrim is Wario, 
Uh, <laughs> oh, God. Uh, just I, if only because like I think the safe choice is to make him Mario, but I actually think that because he's the evil version, you know, and like the, so, Nega Scott would be Mario, and that thus his like Mirhouse version would be Wario. So interesting. I would put him as like a Luigi, like as your mm. like beta. You know what I mean? <laughs> I think he's even more beta than Luigi. I think he's a little toad. He's toad. <laughs> he's a little mushroom hat. Every time they're like, your hair's getting real bushy, and they cut back to him, and he's got a, he's wearing a big mushroom cap that's on his true. head now. Oh, God. Oh, yes. No, that's perfect. That's very perfect. Um, and then I guess Knives would be Toadette then in that casting, just because she could have, like, the actual um, – her knives at the end could be the little dangly things off of Toadette's hair. Sure. Great. That's uh, th- that one's for me and my knowledge, deep knowledge of Toadette. Uh, but yeah, no, uh, I, that that's that was my casting for uh, for Scott Pilgrim would be Kieran Culkin. Love it, Amy Joe. What about you? What yeah, are your thoughts? He's Michael Sarah is so funny, right? In that he's he's so good at this like one thing he does. Yeah. Um But I do what I I actually don't I didn't think to flip him and Kieran Culkin but I did think like what if this were Kieran Culkin having also seen them both in This Is Our Youth oh um, yeah I just find Kieran Culkin so dynamic mm-hmm. um, that I would just be interested in his take on this I didn't have a lot of other thoughts because this is what tricky um, I yeah. thought like a very young like I'm talking like love actually era Martin Freeman if this were English, like just Ooh, that's yeah. very like also someone who has a lot like a sitting on a lot of energy, but can like play above it and be very like, no, I'm I'm totally nice and I'm not worried about everything in the world. Um, And then I don't know, just because I I ST ruggled with all of the casting in this, but I was like, maybe a young Joseph Gordon Levitt is going to give me the charm and the comedy that I need. Mm, um, yeah. But is also a fine enough actor to pull off this delicate balance. Yeah. Wow. I also have Joseph Gordon Levitt. This is, you know, the 10 things I hate about Scott Pilgrim. I so see mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. baby, baby JGL. Uh, yeah. I mean, with, with Michael Sarah, it feels like, it kind of goes hand in hand with the like if Michael Sarah was up for a role, I could see Jesse Eisenberg also being up for that sure. role. Oh, interesting. And yeah. I find Michael Sarah the like the softer version of Jesse Eisenberg. Like I think Jesse Eisenberg could absolutely do this role, but um I do think it's so successful with Michael Sarah that of the things that Michael Sarah does well, I think this is a perfect utilization of having mm-hmm. Someone who at this point he had, I mean, Arrested Development, Superbad, and Juno were like the big, big things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And to play on that persona, on that persona of someone who is like, same in Superbad. It's just like if you have a guy that has any hint of malice, you could be very uncomfortable with some scenes. But because he's such a like, quote unquote, like just like sweet doof nerd of a guy. <laughs> yeah. You just go with it. You're okay because you know, you see how uncomfortable he is in every situation. And you need that uncomfortability beneath the surface. Yeah. Uh, I could see Anton Yelchin, I think, would have been really good oh, in this. Yeah. Uh, if this was made earlier, I think Elijah Wood, if this was like I, 10 years earlier. He's on my long earlier, list. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and this is right around the time of Community starring Give Me Donald Glover, the Donald Glover Scott Pilgrim. Oh, wow. Uh, A very young Donald Glover, great. yeah. Great. Very. Yeah. Yeah, that would be amazing. Absolutely. Um, you know, I, I just had the thought of, 
Jim Carrey and Kate Winslet in these roles uh, because there is so much eternal sunshine happening anyway, like wee baby yeah. versions totally. of them. I could definitely see that. Yeah. Because uh, I saw, I did not see This Is Our Youth, but I saw the other Michael Sarah Kenneth Lonergan. Well, actually, I saw the other two because he did both Lobby Hero and the Waverly Gallery. Uh, oh, yeah, I saw the Waverly Gallery with you. That's right. I didn't see that Which, Lobby Hero. Was that Chris Evans in it? And it was Chris Evans wow. in it. Yeah. It was Chris Evans, um, Bell Howery, and uh, Brian Tyree Henry. Uh, which was great. It was a very good revival, but it was watching that lobby hero. Michael Sarah was very good in it, but that's, I could also see Kieran Culkin in that role. And it's interesting Mm, when it's like, they are two very different types of performers. Like I certainly could never see Michael Sarah in succession as, as a Roman would be kind of, terrifying is kind oh, of the, God, to, yeah. to picture that is to picture michael Sarah playing the version of did you see uh this is the end aj yeah yeah i did yeah, yeah. just recently Which i assume you have not amy joe but is has seth rogan and james franco and all these actors playing themselves and you get michael Sarah playing himself as this like coke snorting horrific version of himself who's just like slapping rihanna on the ass yeah and that's the joke is that it's michael Sarah doing these things who of course he would never do these things in real life because mm-hmm. he's just sweet little baby michael Sarah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh which is why it works for this yeah uh so the one other actor who uh was suggested was seth rogan interesting whoa yeah yes keep it Canadian. And are we talking you still know. 2010 or or earlier still 2010 so knocked up had just come out and universal's then president of production donna langley suggested seth rogan for scott pilgrim and edgar wright wow. said quote i love seth but i couldn't get my head around that michael Sarah was the only person who came to mind i loved arrested development he's canadian he's scrawny he plays guitar and the idea of michael as a romeo is just inherently amusing that's true oh yeah. interesting. and i remember when they were doing super bad seth rogan was like because he wrote super that was like the first thing he wrote with his writing partner evan goldberg and that was like just to prove to themselves that they could write something and so like after the success of knocked up and all that they're like oh great we can make super bad with the intention that originally seth rogan was like i'll play seth the jonah hill character yeah and it's like at in uh, you can't post knocked up then play a high schooler yeah Yeah, and like he's like on the day of the he's like i'm gonna he freshly shaved and put on like a shirt that made him look a little younger and then he's like what am i doing like why am i working this hard to pretend to be in high school when i could just grow a handlebar mustache and play a cop with bill Hader and steal all those scenes uh and it's like at this point in 2010 i can't see seth rogan no but a younger seth rogan i am interested in you know, yeah. possibly the Freaks, Freaks and, and Geeks, Geeks Seth, Seth Rogen, Rogen. Yeah. yeah, 1999, which is 11, 11 years before this yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah. That no, when age. I said younger, I meant right. it, immensely younger. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean the 1999 version of this, Seth Rogen, Jason Segel. Like I, I see that version, but mm. it needs to be in like no early, no later than 2002. Yeah, you hey. can't have an adult man. You need like a yeah. very young. <laughs> man wait know. i mean to be fair mark platt produced this one and he would later go on to prove no. that a young man okay, okay. could no. certainly play <laughs> a high different. schooler i think it's different when it's your kid uh you're gonna make some allowances when it's yeah. your baby boy who won a tony mm-hmm. i refuse mm-hmm. to believe that dear evan hansen isn't secretly a gender flipped remake of never been kissed and that he's not actually an investigative journalist who is undercover at a high school but he's secretly a 30 year old man. i was thinking about that this weekend as i was like listening to this podcast about this like you know in a like this inappropriate 
at best relationship with this high school um, teacher. I was just like, isn't there a line? And I think it's a trailer line. I've never been kissed where, where Drew Barrymore like says something smart. And she goes, are you sure you're 17? I was like, red flag, red flag, red <laughs> flag, red flag. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't wait till the streaming version of Never Been Kissed happens. And we like they try to like retcon all like the problematic elements out of it. And it's just like, maybe we should just stop. <laughs> maybe we should just stop all this for a while. I don't think we need a remake reboot gender flipped never been kissed the way we got uh he's all that last year which i don't know if anybody watched i didn't even know what occurred did you watch it jeff of course not that's why i don't know anyone else not i don't know anyone else that watched it besides me i don't know anyone else that watched it including myself secret he's all that stan jeff ronan here Uh, (laughs) no don't blow my cover (laughs) why did i wear this he's all that t-shirt thankfully this is not a visual medium (laughs) But let's move on to Stephen Stills, a.k.a. The Talent. Yeah. Uh, Amy Joe, your thoughts on Mark Webber as Stephen Stills, and who would you cast if you had to cast someone else? I'm going to admit something. Mm. In this movie, as in most movies, um, I'm less interested in this kind of character typically. Like, mm-hmm. I-, I-, I would say this is a character I never really paid attention to before. Um, Because I don't, what, care. But then watching it, knowing we were going to be talking about him, I was like, this is a really fun performance. Um, Not that I wrote the actor off, but I wrote the character off because I was just, I'm more interested in other things that are happening, you know. But I Mm. think he's he's really funny. Um, Just the the desperation. And also, like, Mm -hmm. again, I know a lot of musicians. This is... Uh, not not really a send up. This is just a comedic spin spin on a very actual kind of person. Um, and I oh. think he's he's very funny. Um, yeah, my I only had like a couple thoughts for this. Um, my first was Christopher Lowell from uh Glow oh. and Veronica Mars. I can just see that yes. kind of like look, we gotta yeah. get this, we gotta get this, we gotta are we thinking about this? Now are we thinking about that? Like it's very that kind of like For the band. Yeah, for the, for band, the band, for the band. I, for the band. A gig is a gig is a gig is a gig. Um which <laughs> I was incredible. like I need to say that more often because that is sometimes what it gets me through. You know what? A gig mm. is a gig is a gig is a gig. <laughs> um yeah. and then my other thought was Ben Schwartz. Um, who is my favorite so definitely uh probably broader comedic take but i don't care be funny i dig that absolutely a lot of riffs there'd be a lot more improvised lines that made the final cut i think (laughs) if ben schwartz Mm -hmm. did it Mm -hmm. um i I think the a gig is a gig is a gig would go on four times as long as would for the band for the band Ah. for the band (laughs) (laughs) uh what about you aj um so I I went in a wildly different direction. <laughs> I would cast a young Nick Offerman in this role. Great. Um, mostly Love it. he plays stoic so much. I would just like to see him be a nervous wreck. Like I think that'd be very very funny. <laughs> um, and then for my Mario characters, I cast uh, Steven Sills as Toad. Uh, just because sure. the panicking would be like it, like especially when Scott slaps him, it's like we have to play now, fast and loud. Yeah. Like yeah. if it's Toad going, we have to go on. Like you know, in that very particular Toad voice, it'd be very satisfying. Um, but yeah, I also didn't, I didn't have a whole lot for this because I actually think he does the role. I think the role is a little underwritten, so it's a little hard to like, you know, totally, s- definitely see what's iconic in it. But I think he does an amazing job. Um, Mr. Yeah, Weber. I do think that he's kind of gifted the least of the material mm-hmm. of, I mean, probably of the main 
cast. It's everyone like, else yeah. is like a really like a more savage attack point, if that makes sense. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. The way in is much more vivid, even with young Neil. Yeah. You know, because um, young Neil gets all the whole subplot with knives. Well, of ni- that, of then- that whole subplot, but also this kind of like just kind of dreaming in the background, but ready to play bass at any moment. Like there's there's yeah. something about that that is just uh, I, I can see the comedic way in much mm-hmm. more clearly with all of the on the page, much more clearly with all of right. the rest of them, them with him other than this kind of like we got to do it. There might be there might be label guys. It's kind of, you know. Mm-hmm, it's it's mm-hmm. it's less defined. He's not gifted a joke as good as young Neil's. He punched the highlights out of her hair. He yeah. punched the highlights out, out of her hair. hair. What a brilliant line reading. <laughs> but also like just that w- very early on with young Neil, it's one of his first lines where Knives is like, what do you play? And he goes, ooh, starts naming video games. He's like, it's a real, it's a big question. You know, <laughs> like that tells me so much about who that person is. And yeah. we get less of that with a guy who's just like, I'm really into my band and I have yeah. a lot of nerves around it. Like that's mm-hmm. harder to like quantify. Yeah. I also had Chris Lowell. I thought he'd be really good. Uh, I, I think a Donald Gleason mm. like slots oh, in, in here very like, nicely. Cause yeah. it is, it's trying. It was trying to find someone who's not so big that it would be weird to have them in this role, even in a 2010 mindset. Because so many of the actors in this would blow up after this film. Like it's kind of crazy how how many did, yeah. and how many would blow up as superheroes. Like mm-hmm. this is the same year that Chris Evans would go on to be Captain America, Brie Larson going on to be Captain Marvel. Like they all. A lot of captains in this movie. A lot, lot of caps. Oh, captain. My captain. <laughs> I say as though I've ever watched those movies. Um, and Michael Sarah, even as a Robin in the Lego Batman movie. Oh, that's right. Very, very charming. That's, that's honestly one of my favorite Batman movies. Uh, it's great. It's great. Uh, but yeah, a uh, Jamie Bell. I, I could see uh, mm. slotted Ooh, here. Yeah. Uh, or a, I like that. A, Wy- a Wyatt Russell is also giving me just a nice, like, scruffy oh, Wyatt sure. Russell. Yeah, yeah. Um, the one other actor that I saw who was up for this role was Sebastian Stan, someone oh. who would also go on to be in the Marvel machine as Winter Soldier. Wow. Yeah, he'd be great. He would be. He's, he's giving me, like, oh, this is like a real lead of a band. Whereas what yes. I love about Mark Webber as Stephen Steele's, and, and I'll say that I do like Mark Webber a lot, but that he is someone that he just has a great scruffy vibe that he's not like, he, like Sebastian Stan with his eight pack and his chiseled good looks is coming in in a very different way to like, is she going to geek sure. out? Like, no, 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 I want her to geek. When you're like, you need yeah. someone who's like, Mark Webber's not schlubby, but he is that like They've, schlubby leading man. Also, yeah. that when I looked him up, I almost didn't recognize him. Um, because yeah. in part, like in this, like they've done such a great job of like where they have and have not shaved him, you know, like as far as like if the beard <laughs> goes down a little too far and like, yeah, a one thing that I think this movie really nails is the experience of dating in your early twenties, which what mm. sucks. So yep. like <laughs> just that kind of everything involves is- a lot of hammer fights. <laughs> yeah. So many hammer fights. But like, I think that they've really styled him in a way that reminds me of like. 
young musicians, young comedians, people that, yeah, they're not schlubby. It's not that they're like not attractive, but they don't have the first clue as to how to put themselves together in a package that will actually eventually help them do what they want to yeah. do. You know, they're like, I don't know. I did laundry uh, several weeks ago. Is that not sufficient to live not in life? Not when we literally watch you pee yourself on screen when you get the contract <laughs> from Gideon. Which oh, I love that's Just like right. the arrow pointing pee. Uh, and and they and he is wigged in this. They've given him this like chunky, spiky wig. Yeah, um, which is also why he looks very different from his. I mean, now he just shaved his head because the the hair was going. But before that, it was just very like I have very no thin, idea what that's like. Wispy hair. <laughs> oh, AJ. Soon, so, I'm entering my we Lex Luthor phase. So, <laughs> yes, give us give us that full John Cryer. We just sh- shave that head and let's see villainous uh, AJ. Oh man, John Cryer. I- underrated performance is Lex Luthor and I know not a lot of people saw it because it was on the TV shows but my god he's really good he's like a really good Luthor good to know yeah, yeah. haven't haven't watched a moment but I do like John Cryer so I am happy that he is having a like a career renaissance as like fully bald like evil evil uh character types I Hell think yeah. it's very fun yeah uh, Sebastian Stan instead in 2010 was doing hot tub time machine <laughs> oh and my god that's right sw- He's in Black Swan, which I completely forgot. I think he's only in like one scene or two. I think he's one of the guys that's like trying to pick up Natalie Portman and Can I share something bar. that is so stupid that you should bring up Black Swan? It tickles me so because AJ, when you were talking about Toad and Toadette, all that my brain then went into like, oh, a version of of Black Swan, but starring Toadette instead of Odette. And I then my brain kind of went off on a fantasy on like a Super Mario Ballet. And so the fact yes. that then Black Swan was named Jack, I'm like, oh, oh man, that's, that's good. That's wild. Um, Yoshi is Mila Kunis in that movie. For sure. For sure. S- somehow these sex scenes are even hotter. I don't know <laughs> what that says about me, but... <laughs> She's she, she's laid an egg with her mother sitting in the corner. Of the Ew. Room. Yeah. Oh my god! <laughs> oh brother! And here I was just thinking about ballet, but uh, sure. So, so. God, Black Swan. Talk about watching a movie and having a panic attack. Am I right? Like oh. just one. Wow! 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 Oh yeah. But let's move on to Kim Pines. So yeah. AJ, thoughts on Allison Pill, and who would you cast if you had to cast someone else? This is probably the meanest uh, that I'm going to get, and I don't. It's going to sound mean but i promise you it's not mean i think that in my mario casting uh, of kim pines it would be monty mole uh who is a more obscure character i was about to say uh, i don't know this mario character i love monty mole so much he's probably my favorite uh mario character but uh, i just think he would be good on drums um i don't think you can improve on this performance (laughs) here's the truth of it i don't think you can improve on this performance this is i think one of the most iconic ones in the whole movie um and I actually didn't have a human to replace this role because I can't I can't actually think of a world where she's not playing this. Uh, Alice Bull is not playing this role in the movie. Just great. Love it. All right. Amy Jo, what about you? I did not have that problem because although I think Alison Pill is great, it was a lot easier for me to think of different casting for all the women in this movie, partially because they each have a very clear and distinct and disparate comedic voice. Right. Oh, absolutely. So, so like for me, I was like, all right. I, mean, I think Alison Pill is fantastic and they've styled the crap out of her because she is a stunning human that they've made look, again, scruffy like like everybody else. Um, but I thought just from the people that were in the cast, mm. um, Aubrey Plaza would also work in this role. Um, 
uh, it's just that kind of just like mm. a very dry deadpan thing that Aubrey oh, Plaza sure. does very well. I thought if this were like, we're talking early 90s, like this is a Janine Garofalo situation for me. Oh, yeah. She's so funny. Yeah. Um, Love that. More around 2010, <laughs> Stephanie Beatriz would be great. Um, yes. Uh, Emily Hampshire from Schitt's Creek would also be oh, great. Oh, in yeah. Um, and then I thought this would be fun for Zoe Kravitz, although Zoe Kravitz would also make a really good Ramona, um, yeah, I thought. True. So oh, those, yeah. those were my thoughts. But I was like, this just this kind of like deadpan death stare thing mm-hmm. is is there's, I think, a lot of people who could like find a lot of fun in this and then you know scream and and play drums i love that yeah it, it, give me the janine garofalo as kim and uh her wet hot american co-star david hyde pierce as scott pilgrim <laughs> whoa <laughs> yes 100 uh and um, um kelsey Grammer is gideon <laughs> sure well then if we're sure. do- all right yeah if we're doing wet hot which i know doesn't include kelsey Grammer, but if we're doing no. wet hot then that's that's paul rudd as lucas lee you know, oh, a hundred percent. We've got, or, yeah. or even, or even like a Christopher Maloney. You know, um, can, oh yeah, could see. So anyway, either either way, Ken Marino is one of our evil exes. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Oh, which one? Oh, which or one? Or it's is Ken, Ken Marino? Marino and Jolo Trulio as Stephen Stills and Young Neil. Oh I enjoy yeah, that. I enjoy that. I, yeah, Ken yeah. Marino, obviously, with the the escalating panic, he does incredibly well. So, mm-hmm. and with the de-escalating uh, length on those jean shorts, he's still gonna. <laughs> I don't care that it's these chilly Toronto nights. He's still rocking those teeny tiny shorts. Also, no one would pee themselves better, I think, than Ken Marino. <laughs> I, I I can so see Ken Marino yes. pissing himself on camera. If he hasn't yeah. done it before, he'll do it eventually. <laughs> yes, I'm putting money on it. Uh, I also could see Stephanie Beatriz. I think would be great. Rosa Salazar. From the Prime Show, Undone, and she was in uh, Alita: Battle Angels, kind of her big thing. This Robert Rodriguez movie. Uh, I How was Alita: Battle Angel? You know, I've actually not seen Alita, but I have seen her on this show, Undone, that even less people watched. But I've heard good things about that Alita. I've always meant to check it out. Amazing. I could see Christina Ricci bringing all. She's of her on my Wednesday longer Adam. list Whoa. for sure. Wow! Wow! She's wow, on wow. my longer list. What and we have such a nice little Arrested Development reunion with um, Michael Sarah and Mae Whitman. I'd be down for another and get me uh, Alia Shawcat That's as, uh, as oh, Kim, I think, would yes. also nail that dry delivery. Yeah. Were Jill- you going to say something, AJ? Yeah, maybe Jillian Jacobs. I mean, I, I, it was sort of sort of yeah. the Stephanie Beatrice thing, but like, you know, like sitcom stars, like Jillian Jacobs could probably do a good job, but she'd probably put I a little bit of like extra sauce on it. No. Yeah. I mean, honestly, with like the Donald Glover as Scott Pilgrim, I could kind of see Jillian Jacobs also as the Ramona and maybe an Allison Brie. Uh, or Allison Brie might be the Stacy, might yeah. be the Anna Kendrick. Oh, yeah. That feels That's, right. Yeah. That is perfect. A perfect energetic match there. Absolutely. As for actors who were actually considered, uh, speaking of uh, Chris Lowell and Glow, uh, is Glow co star Betty Gilpin was considered. Whoa. Mm who was Liberty Bell on Glow, and she's also on Nurse Jackie, amongst other things, who is hard to picture as this kind of like very dry, taciturn character, but mm. she's so good on Glow that I'd be so curious to see. You can see on YouTube of the uh, screen tests for all the actors who were cast. None that I could find of actors who were considered, but I'd love to see screen tests from the actors who were actually, I'd love to see, I don't think Seth Rogen actually screen tested, but I'm pretty sure Betty Gilpin and Sebastian Stan and these other actors did. So I'd be so curious Wild. to see what that 
looks like. Oh, absolutely. That sound means it's time to play a quick round of Two Truths and Some Guy. The way it works, two of the following actors were up for the role of Kim and one was not. And Amy, Joe, and AJ have to guess which is which. Okay. Your options are Rooney Mara, Aubrey Plaza, and Zoe Kazan. Okay. Uh, I, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm going to go, go Rooney Mara. I don't, it's probably Aubrey Plaza, but I'm going to go Rooney Mara. I'm also going Rooney Mara. I'm sorry, you were both incorrect. Aubrey Plaza. That is correct. As far as I could tell, Aubrey oh. Plaza was not considered for Kim, but I, I completely agree with you, Amy Joe. I put her on the list because I was like, that's who I think. If you couldn't get Allison Pill, just bump up Aubrey Plaza. Yeah. Um, but Rooney Mara and Zoe Kazan. Uh, did both audition. I forgot how like hot Zoe Kazan was at this moment in time, like 2010, mm-hmm. like 2020. 20, I mean, I don't know if she's still with Paul Dano, but she was like dating Paul Dano. You know, it was like, yeah, she yeah, was it, kind of a thing for a, for a while. Uh, when was Absalom Absalom? When did she when did she do that play at Humana? Was that... I don't I don't remember. I mean, when she did the um, Angels in America off Broadway, Billy oh, Porter yeah. was in that. That would have been around this time. That would have probably been like 2010, 2011 because yeah, Billy yeah. hadn't yeah. kind of broken because uh, Kinky Boots didn't go like out of town till 2012. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it would have been around this time. So she's like playing major roles off Broadway and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, this is what she was doing in 2010. She was uh, she had a few episodes of the short lived show Bored to Death with Jason Schwartzman. Oh, yeah. Um, which I don't remember her on. I only saw the first season, so I don't. That she might, maybe she was in the second season, but mm-hmm. I I did enjoy it. Jason Schwartzman, Ted Danson, and all and uh, Zach Galifianakis. Such it's, a it's surprising, a weird little show. Yeah, leading trio. But uh, she also in this movie Meeks Cut Off with uh, Michelle Williams, and she was in a Josh Radner of How I Met Your Mother fame. His directorial debut, Happy Thank You More Please, which is all one word. Mm-hmm. Um, and to match the pretension of that title, here's the log oh, line boy. of this film which i unfortunately have seen um, but this is a perfect <laughs> log line and how like so many films could have the same log line captures a generational moment young people on the cusp of truly growing up tiring of their reflexive cynicism each in their own ways struggling to connect and define what it means to love and be loved that could describe scott pilgrim versus the world if you did it in a really boring way yeah, it's kind of um it's like a generic wash, right? Yeah, like nothing that's, that's more a describing all. a genre of film than yeah. or a certain kind of coming of age story that many, many films could be. Uh, I recently rewatched yeah. all of How I Met Your Mother uh, for an upcoming episode Oof. of our podcast, um, and you had to, you rewatched, I rewatched all, all of, it? of it. How many uh, seasons is that? That's it's a nine lot. seasons. Nine. Uh, I, and I rewatched it while I had COVID, uh, and I felt like I was losing my mind. Uh, but it is amazing to watch that show and be like, "What if? What if everyone in Friends actively hated hanging out with each other?" Uh, and that's like the pitch of How I Met Your Mother. But it, it, like, you know, it is funny how like going behind the scenes and stuff. Like Josh Radner really hasn't done a lot since then, uh, except for I think that directorial debut, and then he also did one. Um, about being like an English professor in college. Where... Yeah, liberal arts with uh, Elizabeth Olsen. And he Olsen. sleeps with his student. And, uh, is that is that the plot of that movie? Elizabeth uh-huh. Olsen. Yeah, great. Sure Super sure great. Is. Fun. Uh, and he, yeah, he's been like just doing, he was like on Broadway and disgraced a few oh years back. Oh my God, back, that's right. Whatever that was. 
Um, and like, but he's and he had like he's had a few TV gigs, but it's kind of like uh, he's kind of like Zach Braff, and like you were the lead of the thing forever, but that's what you're associated with. And there's no, like I, you know, where else are you gonna put Josh Radner? Like he's is not. Is this an actor? Yes, this is the lead of How I, I Met Your Mother. I thought that was Jason Siegel. Am I? He's in it. Mind? He's in it. He's in How I Met Your Mother, but he's not the lead. He's the best friend. Well, you can tell how many episodes of that show I've watched. <laughs> <laughs> that I I think I may have seen a couple of scenes from the show. I thought Jason Siegel was the lead. Well, yeah. I don't Josh no, Radner, I thought you no. were talking about a director all this while. Um He is technically that. Well, he he, he yep. directed this Happy yep. Thank You More Please, but he's also the lead actor in it, which is also why I think of Zach Braff with yeah, Garden sure. State and The yeah. Last Kiss. That's like I'm just going to direct my own leading roles cuz no one Dashing is putting me. me in them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And as for Rooney Mara, who, I mean, I think Rooney Mara and Zoe Kazan, I can so totally. see their takes oh, on Kim. Rooney Mara is 2010. She had The Social Network and the remake of A Nightmare on Elm Street. So at least The Social Network was a short filming right. period that like she could have potentially done both, but probably not this and Nightmare on Elm Street, which is sad if if it was like that's why she couldn't do this was Nightmare on Elm Street, because that is truly one of the worst films I've seen is that remake of Nightmare on Elm yeah. Street. Yeah, it really does seem like quite a shame to have starred in that movie at this point. It's uh, it's not great, even though... Um, oh, what is the name of the guy who played Freddy Krueger in that film? Um, he's Jack amazing. He's like one of the most talented actors like I've ever seen, and he's somehow bad in that movie. Uh, that movie makes everyone yeah. bad who, who touches it. Um, Clancy Brown is in that film, and they're not even doing right by the great Clancy Brown. Ah, oh, Mr. Krabs. He'll get his exactly. <laughs> Oh, good old Mr. Krabs. <laughs> Mr. Krabs versus Freddy Krueger. Now that that's a movie that yes. I like to say. The the claws versus the claws. Hey, like, come on. Hey. Uh, to to foreshadow to your episode of the worst of all possible worlds. Whoever wins, we lose. Jeff. Oh, we sure do. But yes, yeah, special uh, plug for I'm I'm on AJ's podcast, the worst of all possible worlds, on their uh, Patreon, talking about. The original Ridley Scott directed yeah. Alien, and we had a grand old time. Yeah, it's a about wonderful, that. wonderful. So be wonderful. sure to check that out, yeah. y'all. Let's move on to Lucas Lee. Finally, so Amy, Joe, your thoughts on Chris Evans, and who would you cast if you had to cast okay, someone? Okay, I'm else? gonna go on record here. This is my favorite Chris, and this performance is why. Mm. Like, <laughs> yes. Between yes. this and Knives <laughs> Out, I'm sorry, other Chris's. No. Um. <laughs> He's not so... even Chris Pine with his musical theater energy. Oh, sorry. This is not a visual medium. I just gave a look across uh, Zoom. I see. All right. Agent. All right. Well, um, I, I, I burst into look, flames look, look, is what you Chris, also can't Chris see. Chris Pine is, like, delightful. Chris Hemsworth, very funny. I love yeah. Cabin in the Woods. But um, yeah. But this is the – and we won't talk about the other one. Um, But this is Mm-mm. this is the superior Chris. Mm-hmm. Um, How funny is this performance when he calls action on himself like just like almost like under his action like just it's so so funny the voice he's doing every take like every kind of like line and everything he's doing what listen up bucko so bucko um yeah yeah, yeah. so funny to me um so Mm. yeah I struggled with this one. Now, if I had to go with another Chris for this, it would be Chris mm. Pine. Um, yeah. I think, yeah. I, I, you know what? Probably most of the Chris's would handle this just fine. But, I mean, Chris Pine yeah. to me is the most, the next in terms of funny. 
Um, mm, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. So that's who I'd go with. And then, and this yeah. is truly unhinged, but the <laughs> the only other person I was like, who can I hear doing a really ridiculous voice like this? Is a is a much younger. I'm talking like 1980s Michael Keaton. And that's my story, and yeah. I'm sticking to it, friends. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, they're supposed to have gone to school together because she's like, we we, yeah. we had drama, or maybe it was math. I just remember there being a lot of drama, so it doesn't make sense age-wise. But I kind of love the idea of someone who's so significantly older <laughs> as this <Yeah>. character <laughs> is really funny to me. So just give me a 2010 Michael Keaton. <laughs> just, yeah. Why not? Just a why basically not? about to go do Birdman, Michael Keaton. Heck yeah. I- Imagine, imagine if Lucas Lee was Michael Keaton dressed as as Batman. If it was him on the set of a Batman movie, <laughs> mm-hmm. maybe this is where you put Christian Bale. It's Christian Bale, literally as Saying Batman. Birdman oh, yeah. actually makes me think um, uh, that if he were funnier, Ed Norton would be a good uh, fit for this. I don't think he's funny enough for this tonally, yeah. but but attitudinally no. in the bag. Has Edward Norton ever done like a full rom com or like a full slapstick? Yeah, he did like, that. Comedy? Keeping the faith, which is definitely a rom com, oh, where he plays yeah. a Catholic priest and Ben Stiller is uh, a rabbi. Um, yeah. And then he did oh, he did Everyone Says I Love You, where he sings and. I don't oh. recommend him singing. I've never heard of that. I've never even heard it's of that It's a movie. Woody Allen movie from the oh, 90s. Oh, sure. Yeah. sure, sure, sure. So we watched it in the 90s when you could still do those things. <laughs> yeah. And then he's, is, he's in, there's something else in my brain that's supposed to, that's funny that he's in. But I think part of him being funny. Well, there is the terminally unfunny Death to Smoochie that he's in. Oh, my God. Williams. That's right. Did John Stewart direct that or was he just in it? I think he's just in it. I think Danny DeVito. Oh, that's right. It. It, it was DeVito. Wow. The old DeVito's. Uh, but yeah, I I totally hear you. What about you, AJ? What are your thoughts on Lucas So I want to keep it Canadian, uh, as Canadian as possible, as per the spirit of the film. Ryan Reynolds, I think, would be like uh, 2010 a, Ryan Reynolds. Yeah. yeah. Would, I think, be really, really good as Lucas Lee. I want to see Will Arnett do it. Just because I want more Arrested Development yes. people in this movie, and I think he would be great. Yep. Um, Hugh Jackman also, I think, would be really, really fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, totally. It would piss off Ryan Reynolds to no end, but we should get Hugh Jackman in there. Uh, and then, um, this is my wildest one, but uh, Tom Cruise as Lucas Lee would be, yeah. I think, pretty fun. Because I think it's vaguely based on him, or at least like... Uh, oh. It seems like the performance is vaguely based on certain Cruise performances. I think those are my favorites. And for the Mario universe, uh, let me just see. Bah, bah, bah. I cast him as, uh, oh, he's one of the Koopalings because the seven X's are all Koopalings. <laughs> so he is Morton Koopa Jr. Uh, <laughs> Morton Koopa Jr. Who is uh, the, the, the badass, like, Foul talking of the Koopalings. Naturally. Naturally. Old badass Morton. Morton Koopa Jr. Uh, I love the eyebrow acting that Chris yeah. Evans does as Lucas it's, Lee. It's unparalleled. And I had just assumed, I assumed they had did, they'd done something to help him with this eyebrow acting. But they did, um, as like a benefit during the pandemic, they did a full like Zoom read of the whole script. And most of them were available, the original cast to do their parts again. A few weren't, but he was one of the ones. And he's just, they they cut to him on a Zoom square. He's just affable Chris Evans. And as soon as they say, like Lucas Lee comes on, he just goes, and his eyebrows scrunch (laughs) in that perfect way. And I don't know how he, 
makes his eyebrows point down like that. Like, it's an amazing skill. And I only wish he looked just like this in Knives Out. Uh, would make Knives Out even better for me if he also had this complete, like, chin strap beard. But still, uh, and the hunk and the chunk. Eyebrows. The chunky knit sweater, of course. Mm-hmm. You could still throw the chunky knit sweater, but instead he's riding around on a skateboard. I mean, I think it's arguable that, that if Ransom is not in the chunky knit sweater, Knives Out can't happen. Just the plot can't move forward, you know? <laughs> the plot it doesn't thread count is uh, <laughs> off the charts, bucko. <laughs> <laughs> he, he just has such a great... Over, like ridiculous overtly antagonistic uh way in this film that is so like will arnett Very, as you were saying yeah. aj um that's hard to think of anyone else. i can think like jesse williams i could oh, see yeah. dan stevens i could see but not to that yeah. level of like this macho posturing mm. um that's still so funny like unless you're getting like a young jason statham you oh, know like yeah. to get someone that's actually but even so it's like part of what makes this work is that he's really doing it but also is a gifted comedic performer mm-hmm. so it's someone who Absolutely. can look the part but also is just like i'm actually a, a huge goofball so i'm gonna yeah. use that to, the tone is like Ah, center of the bullseye. If this was made more today, because he wasn't really known in 2010, but if you got Ted Lasso's Brett Goldstein, would crush this. Would be just his grumble that he does would be amazing. And I loved, I saw this clip of him on Sesame Street, uh, which is just delightful just to have this this very Brett Goldstein where his voice just lives right down here. And just talking with like, that's right. The letter of the day is F. And he's like, oh, I love the letter <laughs> F. <laughs> and it's just like any parent that's watching the show with their kids. It's just like, we know you love the F, F words. <laughs> Roy have, have you seen him do uh, Muppet Christmas Carol in its entirety? Yeah. What? He does all the no? voices. It's it's out of this world. Uh, yeah, you can. F- Where can uh, it's one on see YouTube, this? If you just uh, Google him. Oh. Uh, it, it's really worth your time. It's so delightful. Because you don't need 100%. to persuade us to intake Muppet Christmas Carol content. Uh, and yeah, no, it's it's unreal because he is his number one like love in life is the Muppets and is Jim Henson and all that. And so it's oh, it's fun to see him sort great. of like geek out about that when he's you know so macho and so uh, on Ted Lasso. I love it. And yeah, I'm like it wouldn't make sense age wise, but I really like the idea of imagining. Peter Dinklage skateboarding out. Oh, yeah. An army of Peter Dinklage stand-ins beating the ever-loving snot out of Michael Sarah with a bunch of skateboards, I think would be an incredible image that I I could hear him saying, huh, that's actually hilarious. Like in in his Peter Dinklage way, it's amazing. Uh It's that moment is one of my favorites of this film. I think he did. I think he just looked at his looking at his phone. You hear like the beep beep, looks at his phone, and it's just That's actually hilarious. Is so <laughs> wonderfully random, and I'm so glad that we never know what is on that phone that he is. There's probably at. Edgar Wright just texting him in real time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so as for other actors who were actually considered mm. for this, after he auditioned for Stephen Stills, Edgar Wright said that Sebastian Stan would be better for Lucas mm. Lee. Oh. So I don't know if he actually had him read for the role or was just like, "You should probably be up for this guy." Instead, and if I don't know if he actually read or was considered, but I totally yeah, see that absolutely. as well. And Robert Pattinson oh. auditioned. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Oh, what chaos he would have brought to that role. What just unbridled lighthouse chaos he would have brought to Lucas Lee. Yeah. Wow. 
that's the audition tape that I wish that we had. Uh, so he had already filmed Twilight, but it hadn't come out yet when they were oh, casting this. Oh, interesting. Uh, so the casting director said, he had two th- Jones said had two things to say, that he was really good at an American accent. Uh, and then she said, quote, I remember we were asking him about Twilight and he was like, yeah, I don't know. I just saw it. It's okay, I guess. I don't know. He's like, I have <laughs> taste, quote. but I've also been paid a lot of money to be in these things. So I'm going to be what diplomatic. Uh huh. By the right. time the fourth movie came right. out, there was no diplomacy anymore. It was just him and Kristen Stewart like actively shitting on the movies, which is needs, amazing. Who needs diplomacy yeah. when they're going to make money anyway? Yeah, yeah. it's true. Very true. Uh, instead, in 2010, by the time like, twi- the first Twilight hadn't come out when they were casting Scott Pilgrim. And by the year that Scott Pilgrim came out, he had the third Twilight movie, Twilight Eclipse. Uh, and Remember Me, which is the romantic drama where the twist oh, is, my. whoops, you're secretly in a 9-11 movie. I now remember because I had forgotten <laughs> you telling me about this movie. Well, it, it told you to remember it. Amy Joe, how yeah, could you? And I thought, how could you forget? You tell me what to do, movie. <laughs> <laughs> wow, you know, I I never considered before that it's also called "Remember yeah. Me" as a tie-in to "Never mm-hmm. Forget." Oh, yeah. Like I it's only realized at this moment, and that is it's truly heinous. atrocious. It's a heinous and, uh, film. Shame on everyone for making mm-hmm. that movie. Absolutely. <laughs> so those are all the ca- characters that I found other casting options for. There are several characters we didn't mention, so I want to briefly touch on them. We've talked about her a bit, but Mary Elizabeth Winstead as Ramona Flowers. She's great. Who I love. Yep. No notes. Perfect. Uh, so she, what helped her get the role is that uh, she has a small part in Death Proof, which is Quentin Tarantino's movie in the Grindhouse double bill with Robert Rodriguez. Oh, right. And Tarantino and Edgar Wright were buddies. So she said that she was just hanging around with Quentin Tarantino and his circle for a while. And Edgar was a part of that. So he had seen Death Proof and had the idea for her as Ramona. Like this is years before Scott Pilgrim. So they've been talking about it for two or three oh, years wow. before the film ever went into production. And Edgar Wright said that, as you can see from the finished film, that he was very literal in trying to cast people that looked like the drawings yeah. in the graph- yeah, graphic yeah, yeah. novels, which is also a big part of Michael Sarah, who does look like Absolutely. this scrawny little stick figure from the, the yeah, comic yeah. book. So much so that when you, he gets the one-up that is drawn in the style of the comic book, you're like, oh yeah, it's just Michael Sarah as, as an animated character. Yeah. Yeah. The original joke for the drawing was going to be of the actual comic book drawing of Ramona Flowers and like, have you seen a girl that looks uh-huh. like this? But it's so much better when it's just this ridiculous <laughs> script. But he clearly flies. did in a panic. And it just... yeah. <laughs> yes, right. that's Ramona Flowers? Yes, that's mm. Ramona Flowers. <laughs> uh, but apparently Winstead said that she thinks that it has a lot to do with her eyes is why she get cast. is because of her, she's, that she has big eyes like a yeah. comic book character. She also pulls off the hair dyes too. Those wigs, look mm-hmm. they look great. They look great on her. Uh, Ellen Wong uh. as Knives Chow. I'm like, why she's also on glow but like it has nothing to do on glow and it's like she was on that carrie diaries show for a while after this but it's like she should have been in bigger films she is so funny she is like such a comedically gifted actor absolutely it's it really is a shame we haven't seen her in more and i hope we do get to see her in more in the future uh Cast her. Casting directors who listen to this podcast find her her. cast her (laughs) you cowards (laughs) yeah uh kieran culkin as wallace i mean what he always hits hard for me like i haven't i mean i have not seen everything he's ever done but i've not seen a kieran culkin performance that i've been like "Eh," about like he's always fantastic and he's so funny in this 
I love his just his sensibility, I think, is very unique. He's a very unique flavor whenever you add him into a film. Like, he's never coming in and you're like, oh, yeah, I guess Kieran Culkin was in the film, too. It's like, no, you know Kieran it. Culkin yeah. is going to take up some real estate in your movie. For I the also other. appreciate that they are not with any of these gay characters making them play at some affected idea of homosexuality. That yeah. You know, just like people. I appreciate that. Uh the recurring yeah. bit of Scott Pilgrim bolting up from a dream in bed and then just more and more people appearing in bed with him. That's great. It's just, it's so funny. Uh, and also there's a bit of physical comedy that Karen Culkin does in this movie where he like hits oh, his elbow. I know you're going to, yes. And pops the keys uh, into Scott, into Scott's like lap as he's lying in bed and then just like full on dives into the bed with him that I think is so impressive and so funny. I don't know how he does it, how he could just fully flop like that. It's, it's really good. His drum Drunk acting is it's tremendous. It's so, mm -hmm. so good. Guess who's drunk? <laughs> I guess Wallace. Uh, but it's also not in my in his lap. He he whacks those keys into Michael oh, Sarah's face, yeah. and like he would nail him like on every take <laughs> that he managed to just like whack him in the face with it, which is incredible. He said that um they just sent him the script with no cover letter. So he's like he said for all I knew they wanted me to audition for Scott Pilgrim. I had no idea, Ooh. but I got to the description of Wallace. And it said, Wallace, 26, Scott's cool gay roommate, arched eyebrow, disloyal. I went, yeah, mm -hmm. got it. Mm -hmm. It's great, too, when sometimes, like, like, I had an audition last year where I'd, like, sent in a tape just, like, for a general, knowing I was right for this show, but I hadn't read the play. Like, I hadn't, I hadn't read the script yet. And then they uh -huh. called me back for two different parts, both of which were great. But I, I was on page two of the script, and I was like, they've called me in for the wrong role. It's this one. So wow. I like sent and, and they had all the sides in a Dropbox. So I knew they were looking for that part. So I sent in the sides they had requested, but then also sent in the side of this other character. And then when I got a callback, guess which one it was for. It was for the wow. one because actors like obviously we know what we do. Right. So it's like you, sometimes you can just read a breakdown and go like, and that's me. I don't know what they're thinking of me for, but I know that that is where I'm going to be able to like express most readily so absolutely i love that uh and so not to get too dark mm. but Kieran culkin briefly dropped out of the film uh his sister suddenly passed away she was oh, wow. struck by a car and died oh. and he was he just wouldn't answer the phone so like a while went by and edgar wright was like we don't know if he's doing the movie or not because we literally can't get in touch oh. with him uh, until finally he was just like, I don't think I can do the movie. And he just like opted out. And they're like, we totally understand. And Edgar Wright said, if you change your mind, like, let us know. There's a We will put you back in this film in an instant. But like, whatever you need wow. to do. And weeks went by. And about six weeks out from filming, the line producer says, like, we really have to cast a Wallace. Yeah. Uh, and they wound up flying four guys in. I couldn't find who these guys were for obvious reason. Edgar Wright did mm -hmm. not say. But he said, we flew four guys in. And then we... We cast him, but we did not call him to finalize it. And that night, they were having a cast dinner. He was sitting next to Allison Pill when Kieran was text just text Allison Pill about the film and just saying, like, I wish that I was there. Like, I'm kind of now having, like, doubts. Like, I think it would actually be really good to be there and, like, focused on that mm -hmm. right now. And he's like, She's like, let me give the phone to Edgar because I'm literally sitting next wow. to him. And he said, like, do you still want to do it? And he, and Kieran was like, so I um I've just been eating pizza and drinking whiskey for the past few months, so I'm overweight. Also, I've dyed my hair green. <laughs> uh, and Edgar writes like, 
we will get you a trainer. We will get you hair dye. We'll get you a haircut. Oh. But like, we will do whatever we you got to do. Good guy, Edgar Wright. And they they flew him out the next wow. day, and they like got wow. him got him involved. And I think he he is so good in this film. And it's like, you know, it's like the many ways that we kind of deal with tragedy yeah. and things like that. And yeah. to have something like this that feels like such a good film set to They're have been all, on because so, you mentioned the commentaries yeah, yeah, yeah. earlier yeah. amy and i love there's four commentaries and two of them there's two separate acting commentaries yeah. and one is with kieran culkin and aubrey plaza i think with um mark weber and maybe jason schwartzman it's it's someone else yeah. i forget who and they they're recording this the day after the premiere so they're all hung over yeah. shit it's really and it's fun. so funny hearing them just try to get through like, the oh, commentary like oh somebody brought bagels oh wait we well, got to get the coffee like in the <laughs> middle of the commentary oh it starts with Kieran Culkin just being like hey Aubrey remember when you uh when you tried to seduce me last night at the opening and you, remember when you asked me to go home with you and she's like i specifically said not to talk <laughs> about that <laughs> but yeah it does seem like oh. they were all close and like having a great time i mean it is such an ensemble film there's yeah. so many scenes where they're all on set together so it does seem like if you're in a place where focusing on something else is going to be of benefit like what uh that's probably as healthy as that kind of situation can be absolutely and for the kind of role that you are then yeah, jumping yeah. into where you just get to so many funny lines and you just get to beat up on Michael Sarah. And I, I think this is the film where they became like incredibly yeah. close friends, which is why they did that. This is our youth together. Oh, got it. That was a great show. That was that was a really fun one. I got to mm. I, I saw that front row center. And so when Michael Sarah went into the bathroom, I could like watch what he was doing in the bathroom. And that's not something that most of the audience can see. But he did a full hair routine in there. Like he actually he stayed in it. And I was like, that's very fun. You saw the little text of P bar. Yeah. And then, and then drain down. He grabbed a one up on his way out. Uh, it's lovely. <laughs> uh, Anna Kendrick as Stacy Pilgrim. Mm-hmm. Uh, Scott's younger sister, who then also calls him know, younger brother, which I noticed peculiar. this time watching, which I yeah. love. Yeah. But I mean, he, uh, you know what? Emotionally, he is. He yes, is. infinitely. Yes. And yeah, Aubrey Plaza, Ugh. so, so funny. Very few this. scenes, but just iconic in every single one. She gets the the bleep. She gets the bleep yep. bar whenever she says. This was my uh, introduction to her, too, and because uh, I didn't watch Parks and Rec for many years. And Oh, wow. And she's just she's an mvp in everything she does yeah um she's also yeah. great in legion i don't know if y'all have seen legion but sh- she's so God, she's good really in legion. really excellent yeah i mean i i thought aubrey plaza was so great like from this and parks and rec but i think that she is someone who has grown as an actor or at least into the types of roles that they let her play she has been able to show off more totally. that she can do yeah. Uh, to such great effect. So I'm, I love every time I see that she's. Once you get that sitcom new. money, then you can start doing all the weird shit you want. Or, you know, you, you do the Harry Potter movies and then you get to do the Weird Al Yankovic biopic for Roku. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, you do the Harry Potter movies and then you can play Weird Al, uh, a farting mm-hmm, corpse, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> whatever else Daniel Radcliffe feels like doing. Uh, and dressing up point. in uh, assless chaps and doing a uh, rendition of uh, Coming Round the Mountain. This is called Miracle Workers, which if you haven't seen it, it's a TBS series, and it's incredible. You know what? Daniel Radcliffe is Scott Pilgrim. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's actually very interesting, thinking of like an immediate post-Harry Potter, Daniel Radcliffe kind of thing, like in the midst of like all of the image redefining stuff that he was 
was really doing. It's very interesting. Yeah. yeah. I'd also really like him as Steven, mm. actually, as Steven Sills. Uh, no, sure. he, he does neurotic really, really well. So, I dig that. I love the idea of putting Daniel Radcliffe, who's just one of the most famous people because of the Harry Potter films, and having him as he's the talent and he's like one of the yep. smallest of the main roles who's always yeah, around, yeah, yeah uh would be great honestly though it's a very different but having daniel radcliffe as lucas lee having just like a real like he's just as tall as michael sarah if not yeah. shorter, but still like is michael sarah really around. short he seems i just think short. of daniel radcliffe maybe he's not tiny he's a short and michael king, sarah is, well, this is true. average fair enough yeah. fair enough then there you go to then have uh michael sarah towering over lucas lee yeah so and all of Lucas Lee's stunt doubles are like six foot, you know, that could be fun. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> that was good. A that full Tom Cruise. Uh, uh, call that. The full mm-hmm. Tom Cruise. Uh, Johnny Simmons as young Neil. Oh, he's iconic. so good. I also just he's recently perfect. watched Jennifer's Body for the first time, and he is wonderful oh, yeah. in that. And um, so watching this, I was like, oh, like I always thought he was very charming in this. But then watching Jennifer's Body, I was like, oh, he's very good like i wish he had a little bit more to do but he but what he does in this Mm. full crush absolutely i could see him as scott pilgrim i get you know he's not the name actor and like he's popped up in things he's in the short film of whiplash that damien chazelle made that's just like a 10 minute version with him and jk simmons but he doesn't you know miles teller had been drumming for years and years uh and temperamentally, I do get Miles Teller sure. in that role. It was funny on this rewatch how I did, it jumped out at me that young Neil is like positioned to be like Scott Pilgrim in a couple years. Like it's like uh-huh. he could so very easily turn into uh, Michael Sarah, uh, Michael Sarah in like three years. So yeah, casting him as, as Scott Pilgrim would be really cool, I totally. think. Brie Larson as Envy Adams. Oh. It's like, and this is one of the best ones to go watch the um, the initial audition for of Brie Larson online because it's exactly the same as it is in the oh, movie. Oh, yeah. And they said that she she was 19, maybe 18 when she auditioned and she blew everybody away. As soon as she left, they all said, we've got to cast her because it is someone, what a great example of someone coming in and completely nailing the tone yeah. of the film that they are yes, auditioning absolutely. for. Uh, she... She puts on this very smoky sort of voice and all of her reactions are very like, but very particularly like, it feels like an anime character almost. It's like she, she voices all of her breaths after uh, most of her lines. Like it's it really is. It's crafted in like insofar as like the character has crafted it. Like this is someone yes. who is like a new-ish pop star mm-hmm. and they are aware of how they're coming across in every interaction yeah which is, i think what you're talking about that she's also just like doing really well is like everything everything every sound that i make everything is important and i yeah. want to make sure you you know it <laughs> that kind of vibe okay now i'm jealous and you see like the actual devastation when he calls her natalie and yeah. she's like no one's called me that in a long time and you see this entire character arc in one line <laughs> like it's it's incredible it's incredibly well done for such a small role yeah. it's like so many of these roles are have barely any screen time and they make such impact because they're cast they're so, cast so, so well. well but also the writing is good is, the writing's good did you know that um but <laughs> the, the, the way that they set everyone up so that yeah. when envy finally enters you are very clear on who that is and you are like i can't wait till they inevitably appear you know i feel like they do that with 
so many of the roles like it's which is why you can have all these like evil exes come in and even if they have very little screen time they're bringing the weight of the evil ex from before and the evil ex to come after you know it's just really yeah, yeah, well crafted yeah. That perfectly dovetails that we're just talking about the rest of those evil exes. Uh, we have Satya Baba as Matthew Patel, who's the one non-American uh, or Canadian in the cast, really, not including the Katyanagi twins, mm-hmm. of course. Um, but he is British, that he, Edgar Wright didn't want to see any Brits because he was very pointedly like, I'm coming off of Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz. I want this to have a very North American uh-huh. feel. Uh, so he just came in with an American accent and he just pretended that he was not <laughs> British and managed to get it. Have, I have a friend who, I, I don't know if I've mentioned her on the podcast before, but like I have a friend who's a British musical theater actress and she would go into all of her auditions. She has now like played a Brit on stage in a quiet, like uh, people now know, oh, she's definitely English, but she's like, nah, it's just, it's too hard for people to like separate that. So she's like, I'll just go in and do an American accent, introduce myself, chit chat, all that. And it's like, hey, if it works, it works. No, absolutely. The only time I've ever done that was there was a brief period of time where I pretended to be an Irishman while while touring around uh, Europe, and I got bought a lot of free pints by a lot of English uh, <laughs> people who were very guilty. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, any of our European listeners, uh, if I once con- if Dal Monahan ever conned you out of a pint of Guinness, uh, apologies. Oh, I'm American, yeah. baby. <laughs> Doll means blind in Irish, you see. So, you know, it. Uh, I was born, you know, with a little bit of bad eyesight in one eye and my pa- ma got to call me Doll and that, you know, that the name just kind of stuck. Now, is Doll Monaghan a relation of Dom Monaghan? Speaking of Marion Pippin. Uh, yes. Oh. Uh, but we don't talk anymore. We're very, you know, estranged, he and I. Yeah. Um. Ever since it got lost, it all went to his head, you know. Oh, <laughs> but maybe if you buy me a pint or two, I'll be sharing some stories about my, uh, you know, the time that he got trapped up there in Treebeard. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah. May Whitman is Rocky Rickster. I don't understand this accent. I don't understand this character. I don't care. I love it's it. So I fun. love this like whip that she's got. I love that she's a ninja that can poof in and out. Just imagine a movie where a character comes so hard they explode into coins. Like that was I, it's it's a performance that like she is so over the top that it's the only way that 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 character could go out of this movie. And it's just it's divine. It's one of the it's one of the greatest. And the fact that she screams, you will never do this to her as yeah, she dies. What an exit line. And good what an God. accurate burn. So yeah. good. Oh, amazing. Brandon Ruth as Todd Ingram, which is great that you're getting someone who already was a super. You're getting a guy who was Superman like four years before this. Yeah. Uh, and I think he's, he's so, so funny, funny in this. Like, yeah, he I, gets to be a himbo. I love everything he he's gets doing. To fulfill yeah. his destiny and become the himbo he was always meant to on screen. <laughs> uh, and I got to do the special shout out to the yes. vegan police. Cameos from Thomas Jane and Clifton Collins Ooh. Jr. I think they're so funny. Yeah. And the moment where they, as you said, AJ in slow motion, go, yeah, <laughs> and high five. Our whole theater, that was probably the hardest laugh of that initial midnight screening, yeah. but I still, it makes me laugh every time I see it because it's Thomas Jane. I mean, I love Clifton Collins Jr., but you're getting Thomas Jane, who'd already played the Punisher at this yeah. point. So you're once again, just slotting in another superhero, yep. but what a weird cameo to get Thomas Jane and to have Thomas Jane going, yeah, <laughs> and doing the slow it's motion high five is not something I expected. Oh, it's, it's a real treat. It sure is. Shota and Kaita Saito, these actual twins who play Kyle and Ken Katinagi, 
it'd be nice if they had an actual characterization. Or lines. Yeah. Lines, something, anything, anything would be yep, cool. Yep. Yep. And Jason Schwartzman, of course, as Gideon Graves, who is uh, amazing. Apparently, it was a really fun, like, even if you were not part of the fight scenes, they just had, like, a boot camp that anyone could, like, you want to join and, like, get in shape, whether or not you're in the fight scenes. Like, in this corner, we're just lifting weights. In this corner, we're working on some martial arts. And Jason Schwartzman, of course, does have some big fight scenes at the end. But apparently, he had a stalling technique where he would ask a lot of questions in order to get more rest time between the exercises. Uh, classic. So the trainer... Yeah. Trainer, we were talking about uh, the worst, like the this an injury he had doing a stunt, and like it's the worst, the most painful thing I've ever done in my life. Uh, and Jason would be out of breath and would just go, "What was the second most painful thing?" <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's a really good trick, and I'm gonna use it in the future. <laughs> I've definitely worked with trainers who uh, love just love talking about like the body me- as a mechanism, as you know, all this kind of stuff, and like. I'm not usually intentionally trying to stall, but I've sometimes been like, oh, this workout is, well, I get a long rest here because now we're talking about like joint mobility in a deeper way than I expected. So it's kind of, you know, a a little trick that's that works more than you'd think. (laughs) My two other favorite pieces of trivia about Jason Schwartzman's performance in this is uh, that it occurred to him that his character Gideon would wear the underwear of whatever person he was with, was what he decided. What? So he wore multiple pairs of red silk panties during the whole shoot. And during the fight scene, his pants ripped completely open in the back. And he, he said to Edgar Wright, I've got to go because I've got something quite sexy <laughs> on. <laughs> well, I, Which, honestly, they should have kept uh, it in the uh, movie. Absolutely. That's a visual gag that we should have. That's a wild like, choice. What a wild choice. But also, like, for this guy, like, I see it. I yeah. see it. I see, yeah, I, I, I see sniffing. I see him as a panty sniffer, but, like, as a panty, it's amazing. It's such a, because, you know, he treats his, uh, his lovers like trophies, so yeah. of course he'd want to wear their underwear as like oh, a yeah. dom move. Like it's in wow, yeah, yeah. He also decided that for the bit where he he's like, "You made me swallow my gum," that he was actually gonna swallow the gum. And Edgar Wright was like, "You don't have to do this." And he goes, "No, I want to. It would be better." So Edgar Wright recalled them doing about ten takes, and Jason Schwartzman swallowed. 10 bits of gum so as a rap present edgar wright got him a colonic session a colonic <laughs> session because he was concerned that he had 10 bits of gum in his <laughs> gut which is uh, a hilarious idea of a director gifting a colonic gifting yeah you. that's a colonic <laughs> amazing uh but final thoughts on scott pilgrim versus the world anything we haven't touched on if i could read my entire i cast everyone in the movie as mario characters so if i could read the full list please um, take us take us to mario town so Scott Pilgrim is Wario, uh, Wallace Wells is Waluigi, uh, Ramona as Peach, uh, Knives is Daisy, Envy is Rosalina, Julie Powers is K-Mech, who is Bowser's weird little witch that flies around with him and casts spells. Uh, Perfect uh, casting for uh, Stacey Pilgrim uh, as Toadette, uh, Steven Sills is Toad, uh, Kim is Monty Mole, Young Neil is Luigi. That's where I put Luigi, was with Young oh. Neil. Uh, Camus is being uh, Koopa, Negascott is Mario, the demon hipster chicks are Booze, uh, 
the voice is Bowser, um, and the seven evil exes are the Koopalings. So Matthew Patel is Lemmy Koopa, Lucas Lee is Morton Koopa Jr., Todd Ingram is Roy Lenny. Koopa, Roxy Richter is Wendy O. Koopa, the Katinagi twins is Iggy and Larry Koopa, and Gideon is Ludwig von Koopa, the smartest and eldest of the Koopalings. So that is the, my full list. Wow. Of, of Scott Pilgrim as the Mario wow. characters. Wow. Excellent. I learned so much Excellent. just now, which is that I don't know nearly as much about Mario characters as I thought I did. <laughs> that there's a wiki. Well, you can uh, some of them are definitely worth a Google. Um especially uh especially the Koopalings cuz I a lot of their personality traits actually match up with the seven yeah. Alexes. so Lenny Koopa uh oh, Roy. I I trust yeah. that you that you really matched oh, yeah, them personality-wise, yeah, yeah. yeah. AHA. I know you weren't second, you know, that you weren't half-assing <laughs> this Koopa casting. Yeah. Uh, um, I just I just pictured, too, <laughs> Waluigi as Wallace being like, you have to move out! Say the L word! <laughs> like, <laughs> it's just, it's it's everything I wanted. And you're worried about me getting off the <laughs> place? <laughs> Uh, Wario, bread makes you fat. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I look, I, I think this movie is one of the most perfectly executed films uh, ever made. I think that, you know, it's one of the best pieces of entertainment to come out of the writer's strike because it allowed Edgar Wright to like take all that time to like storyboard literally every single scene. And there's so much care mm. and love and thought put into this movie. Um, the cast seemed to have a really wonderful time. Um, I think it's it's perfectly cast as is, but it was such a fun exercise, like going through all this and figuring out like who could also have like shined in these roles. And it just goes to prove that like, you know, for as much as we think that any actor owns a role that, it, you know, there are so many different permutations of it. And it's so fun to like live in those what if worlds, which is what I love about this podcast. Aww. Thank you, AJ. It's been so great having you on yes. here with us chatting about Scott Pilgrim, mm-hmm. bud. Uh, do you have anything additional that you wanted to add, Amy Jo? Oh, just th- there. there's so many great one-liners. I couldn't even, even begin to say them all, but um, <laughs> I really wanted to give a special shout-out to all our shows are secret shows. Because that really, for <laughs> yes. a freelance artist who produces a lot of their stuff, that hit home. It hit home hard. Yes, yes. Oh, I do love Mark Weber. He because his line readings are great. One of his best jokes is, you know, and it won't just be knives wearing our shirts. It'll yes. be the cool kids too. <laughs> and knives is sitting right there. And she's saying, like, Yeah. <laughs> I'll be quieter. Oh. oh. <laughs> I wanna end with this. We see a few of the posters of Lucas Lee's fake mm-hmm. films, um, but most of them are real blink and you'll miss it. So if you, because that's there's so much great background yeah. detail in this film, like all these great visual gags of just like things typed out of like you know here's the delineation of what belongs to Wallace, what belongs to Scott in their apartment. It's like Wallace, like Scott's coat, Wallace's coat, better. Mm-hmm. Um, but here are Lucas Lee's other films and their taglines, which really yes. make it for me. Uh, the big one that we see is "Let's hope there's a heaven," which the tagline is "Kiss me, I'm dying." <laughs> There's the game is over two with the tagline, one good cop is finished fooling around again. (laughs) There's thrilled to be here with the tagline, Spencer J is awesome. You're welcome. (laughs) There's a movie called You Just Don't Exist. (laughs) What? (laughs) 
<laughs> with the tagline, Cole Hazard just got a call saying he is 89 minutes to live from himself. Yeah, I think that's the one they're <laughs> shooting, right? Because that's he that he picks up the the or that's the one that's on TV. Where he's like, "Listen up, Bucko," uh, when he's talking into the uh, into the phone booth. I think you're right. Uh, and finally, Action Doctor, uh, with the tagline, "The good news is you are going to live. The bad news is he's going to kill you." <laughs> that's a great tagline. <laughs> that's a. Cr- I'd watch that movie. I'll be honest. That that's one I would absolutely watch. Action Doctor. Oh. <laughs> AJ Diddy, it's been such a delight having you here with us. Uh, What would you like to recommend and where can the good listeners find you? Okay, well, in terms of recommendations, uh, my partner and I just worked our way through Harley Quinn, which is an animated show that's on HBO Max. So good. It feels like in the same way that Scott Pilgrim feels like it was made for me, Harley Quinn also feels like it was very specifically made for me. It is a show that balances incredible heart with just grotesque violence and uh, some of the best comedy this side, you know, of uh, anything. It, it's really one of my favorite things uh, on the planet. Um, Ron Funches as King Shark alone is worth the price of admission. Uh, give it a watch if you haven't. They just renewed it for season four. Thank God, uh, because they've canceled yes. everything at HBO Max, but Harley Quinn is still Jeff going and I were strong. having this exact conversation <laughs> last night. Oh, it's so good. Oh, it's so good. Um. Especially this this last episode, Batman Begins Forever is like if you know if you liked the animated series, it's one of the most haunting takes I think on Bruce Wayne's origin story that you'll ever see. It's really very much worth your time. Um, in terms of things that I do, I do a podcast called The Worst of All Possible Worlds, uh, which is a weekly case study in the pop culture of a dying empire. So we mostly look at like evangelical stuff, uh, media stuff like Adventures in Odyssey, which is a uh, oh. Ongoing. Famil, VV Famil. Amy Joe, you know Adventures in Odyssey? Yes, I listened obsessively. Did I check them out from my church library? Yes. Oh my God. Okay. Well, we have so much we'll, to talk about we'll, off mic. We'll, we'll, we'll have you. We're gonna have you on the podcast to <laughs> oh, talk please. about this, Amy Joe. Please. Holy God. Um. So it, you know, it's basically Evangelical Simpsons for people who don't know. Um. And uh, it's been running for thirty years, and it's like this. In, it's a, like a glimpse into an entirely alien world for me. But we also cover a lot of other things, like we, you know, Je- we just had Jeff on to do uh, Alien. Uh. Where we talk about a lot of you know movies and um. A lot of stage stuff, you know, we do, we've talked about Hamlet a lot more than we probably should have, a lot more than one should ever (laughs) recommend, Uh, but you can find that. You've got some great episodes on Red Dead Redemption mm-hmm. 2. You, uh, a great episode recently listening to on Studio 60 and the, on the Sunset Strip. Yeah, very personal, that one for me. Bomb show yeah. is uh, so funny. Y'all are so oh, funny uh, breaking down all these films. Uh, the show that we're in the worst possible timeline. So if you want, to... yeah, and and we try and like figure out like what how to make a better world out of that, right? So so it's not just like you know totally. uh, taking the nihilism pill. It's like okay, so we see all that. How can we like make for a better thing, uh, a better world for all of us? And you can find that whenever you get your podcasts. Um, I'm at on Twitter at the Fuzzy Mask, or if you go to my Instagram at the Fuzzy Mask Man, you could see my quarantine project, which was me adapting the Island of Doctor Moreau into Animal Crossing, which is called Lost Horizon and it's one of the things I'm most proud of and also um, a, a very deeply weird and fun time. Uh, it's in my stories there. And yeah, that's everything for me. Love it. Amy Jo. Garp. What are you recommending this week? <laughs> Sorry, that was my that was my hot fuzz coming out there. Um, what am I 
recommend this. I'm going to recommend a podcast that's just just a funny old thing. Mm. Just when you're like, gosh, I need a giggle. Um, it's called No Such Thing as a Fish, and it is by the four QI elves. So, like, if you've ever watched the show QI, mm. there are these quote unquote elves that are the people that put all the facts. Oh, sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. But they're also very funny. So they do. They each have like a fact of the week that they've then like given to the others, and they all research and like talk about. But so it's it's very funny. They all they've known each other for a million years, and it's just like. It's fun trivia, but also just like a bunch of Brits being funny, which frankly, is most of what I want in life. Yeah. So that's called No Such Thing as a Fish. And that is some of my just like, ah, like palate cleanser comfort pod. Amazing. Jeff. Amy Joe. What you recommending? <laughs> uh, well, talking about Aubrey Plaza and how good she is in this, I got to recommend uh, her new film or new ish at this point, Emily the Criminal. So good. Uh, this film written and directed by this guy, John Patton Ford, uh, which stars Aubrey Plaza as this young woman saddled with debt who cannot get uh, a real job because of a uh, that she did uh, has like a mark on her record that at least she has served time and winds up getting involved in like credit card scams and kind of delving deeper and deeper into a criminal lifestyle. Uh, that is oh, wow. the best kind of tense film oh, cool. uh, but she is blisteringly good in it so it is like knowing that it's going to be a like oh no oh no kind of time like not to the extent of uncut gems but is like a real like oh no this is not going great and this character is putting themselves into dangerous situations because they can't stop themselves uh, and she oh, wow. murders it uh, as Amazing. she has been doing in so many performances of late so I cannot recommend Emily the Criminal enough and that's what we're recommending this week da, da, da. so a huge thank you again to AJ Diddy for coming on the thank podcast you. Uh, thank and you thank you uh, to Jeff for requesting Scott Pilgrim because this has Jeff. been delightful Thanks. Other AJ, thanks, other Jeff. <laughs> and if you, listener, have a movie that you'd love for us to break down the casting of, email us at andalmoststarring at gmail.com and let us know. Follow us on Instagram at andalmoststarring to hear what movie we'll be doing next week and follow our general shenanigans. And also be sure to check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash andalmoststarring. This month, a full-length watch-along commentary on Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring, just in time for it, the nerds. new Lord of the Rings show. Nerds, get into it. Until next time, I'm Jeff Ronan. I'm Amy Jo Jackson. And thanks for joining us to see who almost starred.